Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's up, everyone? Welcome to a Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily on, dare I say it, an absolutely glorious Wednesday afternoon here in Winnipeg in early November. What the heck is going on? We will take it, though. Daytime high of 19 degrees. This is uh, this is unbelievable. We know it's not going to last for long, so enjoy it. Maybe go outside today to uh, listen to Winnipeg Sports Talk. Actually made a sev run earlier today wearing shorts. And uh, yeah, I'm wearing a golf shirt today. Why the heck not? We've got golfing weather. I'm not sure whether, whether any courses are open today, but um, if there are, I'm sure there's some psychos that are out there trying to squeeze in an extra round. Great to have you with us, gang. Uh, Andrew Patterson along with you again. Michael Remus away for a few days. Uh, our guy, Jeremy, a.k.a. J. Remo, in the chat, doing a great job getting us on and off. And we've got a busy show. Lots to talk about with the Winnipeg Jets today. Team just finished practice at the Iceplex not too long ago. And uh, a number of players not accounted for at practice. Scott Billick and Murata Tesh are both joining us today. Billick coming up in about 10 minutes. Murat a little bit later on. Uh, but no Blake Wheeler, no Pierre-Luc Dubois. No Mason Appleton, no Morgan Barron, no Josh Morrissey. And considering, you know, what Rick Bonus has been going through, uh, there are obviously some concerns that, you know, maybe this was um, this was more COVID. Doesn't sound like that is the case. Um, all players, with the exception of Barron, were classified by Rick Bonus as maintenance days. So fingers crossed those guys will be able to play. It doesn't sound like Morgan Barron is going to be able to go in the game tomorrow night against the Montreal Canadiens. And because of that, Jansen Harkins has been called up on an emergency recall. So we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, and, you know, one of the things we're going to do just in a couple minutes that I wanted to do yesterday, but I think it's going to be important to play a little bit of it, is Rick Bonus's comments from yesterday, um, his first practice back, um, and it'll give us some good context for some of the conversations that we're going to have with um, with Scotty as well as Marat coming up a little bit later on. Hey, before we do anything, welcome to everybody in the chat. Always great to have you with us live and everyone listening on the podcast. Podcast listeners, if you do have the opportunity at some point, get onto Apple Podcasts and just give the boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk a five-star review and a little a rating and a little review certainly helps us spread the channel. And of course, for those of you that are with us on YouTube, hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already and give us a thumbs up for a like and help us spread the channel that way as well. It is always greatly appreciated. What else is greatly appreciated is the incredible sports, uh, the support that we get for Winnipeg Sports Talk from our local sponsors, led by our friends at Not Auto Corp, Princess Auto, of course, Coolbet, Consolidated Supply, Vita Health Fresh Market, Little Brown Jug, Culligan Water, Wallace and Wallace, Canadian Club Whiskey, F Apparel, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, and of course, our friends at Winnipeg Sports Superstore, Royal Sports. Um, we're also going to talk a little NFL later on in the program. Wild trade deadline day yesterday. And Longtime warm-up listeners and WST listeners will remember my guy, Benny Heiss, who's down in Kansas City, now the managing editor of BetSided. We'll take a look at the National Football League uh, and the deals that happened yesterday. Big winners, big losers, and what that means going into Week 9 and the rest of the season. So all of that coming up over the course of the next couple hours here on WST. Um, we had a crazy night in the National Hockey League last night. Tons, tons of games. 
and tons of goals last night. Um, tough one for the Ottawa Senators. I'm not sure how many people caught that game, especially the third period between the Lightning and the Senators. It was back and forth. Some of the more bizarre plays. Brady Kachuk getting, I believe, was a shorthanded breakaway with almost no time left in the game. Didn't go in. Lightning get the 4-3 win. And for those of you, we were talking about the Jets and the issues with Carl Vemelka. Well, Vemelka's spreading the love right now. He made 41 saves and vemelka Paul Maurice last night and the Florida Panthers who fall to 5-4-1 and one as the Coyotes get their third win of the season over Maurice's Florida Panthers. And pretty sure Maurice was the coach early on in the year when the uh, the first larceny of Carl Vemelka came at the uh, to the Winnipeg Jets. So the Jets did beat him later on, but man, it took a lot. I think they had like 50 shots and finally got two past him. So... He's done it to the Jets. He's done it to the Leafs. And now deja vu for Paul Maurice last night. Um, the Canucks continue to struggle. They got smoked last night by the red-hot New Jersey Devils. Devils win 5-2. Um, and a wild game last night between the Ducks and the Sharks on the West Coast, which ended up in a, a shootout win for Anaheim, featured a hat trick from Eric Carlson. And as Remus tweeted out last night, the nicest own goal in the National Hockey League in years since... Well, Patrick Laine did it, beating Connor Hellebuck with probably the most lethal own goal in NHL history a few years back, and I'm sure most of you remember those. Uh, as far as in Alberta last night, the Edmonton Oilers continue to roll. Um, just an offensive explosion from the big boys on the Oilers. Evander Kane had a hat trick and was only the third star of the game. Connor McDavid, two goals and two assists, and Leon Dreisaitl with five points in the game, one goal, four assists. Leon Dreisaitl now has had as many points last night as Jonathan Huberto has on the campaign. And Connor McDavid now has more goals than any Calgary Flame player has points. Now, it wouldn't be a big deal if the Flames had won last night and gotten a 6-2. and two, But the Flames had a crazy collapse last night in the third period. 2-2 two, two after the second period. They get an early goal. Former Jet Trevor Lewis scores seconds afterwards to go up 4-3. And it looked like a good team like the Calgary pretty much had that one. Not so fast. Three goals by the Kraken, including a shorthanded unassisted goal, I believe by Yanni Gord, led the Kraken back to a very unlikely regulation win, winning 5-4. Um, the Dallas Stars, that was our pick of the day yesterday. Uh, no Jake Ottinger, no problem, although the Kings were in a tough spot playing St. Louis the night before. Dallas won 5-2. And the other game uh, that of interest to um, Central Division fans, the Minnesota Wild beat the Montreal Canadiens. And I guess the Blackhawks slowed down a little bit. Sergei Sorokin's been so good for the Islanders so far this year. He got that 3-1 win. So a really busy night. Golden Knights get to 9-2, and winning in overtime over the Capitals. And Ilya Shesterkin with a brilliant... Well, listen, he was pretty slow. The brilliant guy in that game was Carter Hart, who made 35 saves to get the game to overtime. Uh, which was a scoreless draw through 60 minutes. Shesterkin with the 19-save shutout and Chris Kreider with the win. So very busy night in the National Hockey League last night. Not so much tonight. Only two games. Uh, we've got the Buffalo Sabres hosting Pittsburgh after they collapsed and gave up four late goals to blow a lead and lose to the Boston Bruins 6-5. Buffalo's been hot. We'll get to those numbers in the cool bet lines a little later on. And is Sheldon Keefe coaching for his job tonight? 
kind of get the feeling that he might be. Philly's coming in on the second end of back-to-backs. Carter Hart's been their best player. He is not playing tonight. The Leafs have a very difficult schedule coming up. There's been so much smoke around that team, the benching of Mitch Marner, the underwhelming performances on the road after they were here in Winnipeg with a pretty strong game. And uh, we've got we've got quite a bit to get to <clears throat> all on, on that tonight. So uh, we'll uh, hit it all. Scott Billick's coming up in just a few minutes. And, of course, we do have Blue Bomber All-Stars as well. Um, listen, before we bring Billick on, he's coming on a little earlier today normally than, uh, you know, normally we'd have uh, Michael Remus jump in. But with Remus away, we're going to get a little bit more time with Scotty today. Um, I'll get to the Bomber All-Stars a little bit later on. No surprise that there were so many of them. The biggest surprise, though, to be honest, was the omission of Nick Dembski. Not sure what's up with that. We'll talk about that with Scott. Um, but before we bring Scott in, Going to just play a quick clip of uh, Rick Bonus from yesterday. But hey, before we do that, I got to give a big shout out to our friends at Consolidated Supply. Uh, just a great bunch of dudes doing so many different uh, services for Winnipeggers and Manitobans. They've been the irrigation and leaders in the golf industry for years. And if you're thinking anything to do with whether it's turf, real or artificial, Consolidated Supply should be your first choice. And they're also the club car dealer for Manitoba. So anything to do with golf carts or maybe an industrial vehicle that has four seats, six seats for the warehouse, they can certainly help you up with that. But uh, there's so much more than consolidated supply. That was the core business for a long time. Now they've added all sorts of things for landscape options, including hot tubs, outdoor kitchens, and more. And they're also your first choice for small engine parts if you've got a need when it comes to small engine parts, give Spicy or Joe a call and they will get you all set up. Consolidated Supply, they're at 1395 Niagara Road East. And check out their new website, relaunched online at cte.ca. Uh, the gang over at Vite Health Fresh Market has great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. You can shop at any one of the seven Vita Health Fresh Market stores or online at their fully shoppable website at myvita.ca. And when you do, you're supporting a great local company, family-owned and operated since 1936, and carrying Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. And hey, gang, November is considered Men's Health Month, and choosing the right natural health products are key. Vita Health carries everything you need to help relieve prostate issues, reduce stress, and support mental focus from Canadian brands like Prairie Naturals, who donate a portion of the sales to the Canadian Men's Health Foundation. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. And looking forward to launching a pretty exciting program with our friends at Wallace & Wallace. But as we get ready for winter, although it doesn't seem like it right now, don't forget your garage door when it comes to your home winterization list. A uh, nice pressure wash or hose down will brighten up the curb appeal, but also protect the life of your door. And if it isn't closing properly, be sure to check that photo eye isn't blocked, dirtily, or misaligned. You'll need to lubricate your rollers and hinges as well, but maybe the best idea is to, is to leave it to the experts. You can call Wallace & Wallace and take advantage of their winter maintenance program. The full version of like a medical checkup for your door. Their technicians will poke and prod their way through 21-point checklists, making sure your door is ready for the winter ahead. To book your service call, go to wallacedoors.com. Pop down and see them at 28 uh, on, at their uh, big Chaclin Lawson Road 
or you can give him a call at 452-2700. All right, Scott Billick is going to join us for a second. But just before we get to that, I want to play a little bit of Rick Bonus yesterday because we've talked about it, and I think the tone of what Rick had to say, as well as today and at practice, um, is a big story around the Winnipeg Jets coming off that five of six points on the road. And uh, this is just the first couple minutes of bonus yesterday. First clarifying that he's feeling okay. He doesn't want to talk about it anymore, but more about his thoughts on what he saw from the coach recovering while his team picked up five or six on the road. Here's the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets. Three things like I'm fine. Um, 100% no. Don't expect to be. Uh, I've learned more about brain fog and uh, fatigue syndrome that I need to know but other than that I'm fine and I don't need to answer any more questions about my health uh, with regards to the team uh, sitting here at the record we have um, with three on the, at home and six on the road are we happy with where we are absolutely uh, uh, staying above 500 and I know it's a small window but tied for first is, uh, is a place to start but the third thing is, um, are, are we happy with our team play? Absolutely not. Not even close. Um, in my mind, and I talked to the players about that today, we've, uh, uh, we've had one really good game, and that was St. Louis, and the other games have been below the standards and, and our expectations of how we want to play. So we're, we're in a good spot, and, we, and we're going to have to play a whole lot better to stay there. So how does the team go from playing that blueprint that looked so looked like what you want from this yeah. team against St. Louis to that's falling right. off the way it did? That's why I asked them this morning. Like I haven't been around the team. I said, I want, you know, I want to know what's going on. What happened? How do we go from that game to give it a shot of 16 to one for appearing in L.A. Um, so it's on. We we discussed it, and um, that's all you, you have to address it clearly, and uh, we'll we'll work on fixing it. So this is a team that uh, for years now, by, based on a lot of metrics, has been able to win and come away with points in games that the, the underlying stats would suggest they shouldn't be. I, yeah, I, would, I would think these last three games would potentially qualify for that. Yeah. How do you go um, and get, get a team to fully buy into needing to change when they're getting positive reinforcement? through the points that they're getting. Well, that's the stuff that you have to make them aware of how we're playing, and then they have to understand how we're playing, and they have to buy into how we're playing, and they, and they, and they get it. They're not happy with the way they're playing. They're not sitting there saying, oh, wow, wow, look at the record. We're 5-3-1. and one. This is great. They're not, no one's in that room saying that. They know we have to be a lot better. They're, they're taking accountability for that. And then we said earlier, it's their room. Take, a, you know, take advantage of it. So we had a good discussion about it today, but now we have to... We have to we have to back it up. We have to get playing the way we we're not even close to playing the way we want to play. Like not even close. And even the Arizona game wasn't good until the second half of the second period. Now I know it was back to back, but there was our home open and all these other things. But you know what? Good teams find ways to win. We found ways to win. In uh, saying that, man, do we have to play a whole lot better? Absolutely. The effort is, is inconsistent. The compete is inconsistent. And the puck management is a huge issue right now. So we'll deal with those issues. Just a question I can, uh, if I can ask, that's parallel to your health. Are, are we expecting to see you on the bench yes. next game? Yes. So, Rick, uh, with respect to what you just said with you know the puck management and the compete level, we all right, there is a little bit of Rick bonus from yesterday 
after practice. Now, the team was back on the ice today, and as I mentioned, a number of regulars not there for it. No Wheeler, Dubois, Appleton, Barron, Morrissey, and of course, Ehlers and Logan Stanley, who's now been placed on IR, not there as well. Gets get the latest on the Jets and the thoughts of Scott Billick, who joins us now from the Winnipeg Sun. Scotty, what's up? How are you doing? I'm good, man. I just got home from practice. So, yeah, you got all the all the inside knowledge here coming. Well, perfect. Um, you know, just before we get to practice today, um, what did you think about what Rick had to say yesterday? Um, you know, we chatted it around. Yeah. We didn't play it yesterday, and I wanted to get just a piece of it. It's a longer. I mean, there was a good 12 minutes of it yesterday. But, man, was that a stark contrast to anything we've heard in the past. I mean, just the frankness and honesty of Rick Bonus and the way he speaks to the fans through the media after saying the exact same thing to the team, I think, is very much appreciated because anyone that watched that game at home, which Rick Bonus did, saw the same thing that we yeah. did, and he basically was frank about it. Yeah, I mean, I... I... It was a breath of fresh air, I think, right? I mean, you, you take five or six on the road and you come home and pretty much get lambasted by your coach for not uh, for not doing it the right way. I mean, you know, I, he was quick to mention that they were happy where they're at, right? They're happy being five, three, and one. Um, but he was also quick to mention that he's not happy with how they achieved that sort of thing. And, you know, I, I can't remember a time when Paul Maurice said something like that like i mean i i think that was maybe the most striking part about it is that you know that whole stay in the fight mantra and all that stuff that they used to say that whole narrative um that kind of went out the window yesterday it wasn't about you know it's just staying in the fight and, and earning a point it was no like you need to play better because you know you're not going to win every night playing like that and you're not going to win a lot of games playing like that and you can't you know expect your goalie to 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 essentially on, on two you know different nights take you know upwards of fifty shots, um, and uh, you know close to fifty shots and and expect to win, especially against you know a Vegas team that had as many chances as they did. I think you know Vegas ended up with you know twenty two high danger shots in the game, and and Winnipeg only had like twenty one in regulation, something like just total. Um, so you know I, I think it, it's important that that when even when it's going right, that, that Rick Bonus points out what's not going right. And he's done that. And and just talking to Mark Shifley today about it, like Mark was receptive about it. I'd be interested to know though if one, you know, let's say they got one point out of uh, out of a possible six there. And Adam Lowry, you know, suggested that and some other guys have suggested it was it was easily possible that they got the exact reverse um of what they you know what they actually got out of that trip. But I'd be interested to see how kind of the players responded then. It's a lot easier to kind of the criticism when you're, when you've won instead of when you're losing. I mean, you can just look at Toronto um, right now to kind of figure out, you know, what the criticism looks like when you're losing and then all that entails. But, you know, it, it was interesting listening to Mark Shifley today say like, hey, you know, like it's accurate. I think it was the quote that he said when, when, when he was asked about what Rick said uh, when they, when they talked yesterday and, um, yeah, I thought that was – I think it's just interesting that the players are like, yeah. Like, I think – I, I don't think that we should ever think that the players are, are dumb. Like, they, they know that they played a really bad game in Vegas, and they didn't play a very good game in LA. Um, And so they, they, they know that, right? But it, it takes a coach to kind of sometimes point that out in a way that is digestible for the player. 
or sometimes it just takes it being blunt like like rick bonus was and he said it today when when rick was talking he's like you know just hold it to the players and it's implying a little more fiery and you know a little more um uh four letter wordy i suppose when it came to it down but basically what rick was saying yesterday is that even though you got five or six points it's not good enough and i think that is the most important thing to take out of what he said yesterday is that rick bonus even if it's even if you win let's say 10 games in a row if you're not doing it in the structure that he wants it done he's not going to be happy with it and i think to have that clear communication where you know you need to know that what you're doing is right or wrong there's no gray area with rick bonus he's talked about black and white and being that way and you know he's showing that uh you know, even though he's not with, hasn't been really with the team, he's kind of shown that he's able to do that. Well, yeah, and Scott, I mean, the word that we've talked about um, all summer long, I think last year was a real topic, was accountability. And at times, yeah. certainly publicly, there had not been a lot of accountability. I mean, Maurice would stare us straight in the face and say a line on the, you know, say, <laughs> I liked our game. Uh, yeah. You know, when everyone in the building, everyone around, and to be honest, at times it was somewhat insulting. Now, whatever he doesn't really some will say that they do own the fans you know a little bit more honesty he obviously didn't feel that way um yeah but the bottom line is that rick bonus has been pretty clear he's saying the same things before to the players and then he's reiterating what he has to say i mean there's no mixed messages i have no doubt that paul maurice wasn't saying the same things that he said to us at times to the club back in i mean he's watching it all and I don't think he really did quote like the game I mean he was just sort of protecting players and that's a different way of different way of doing it but I think what that ended up doing is in a lot of ways sheltering players from legitimate criticism and pushing it on to the media and whatnot which in a lot of ways are conduits of the fan base so it was refreshing and I think it was very much needed because as Kyle Connor said yesterday you know, listen, it's great to come back and we're happy where we're at. And, you know, God bless Connor Hallibuck. We got five or six points. But that style of play is not sustainable. It's simply not if you're expecting to continue to get these sort of results. And I got to yep. say the timing of everything, coming back with the day off, a couple of days of practice, probably a very good time for Rick Bonus to get back into the scene with his team on the ice on a daily basis getting ready for a homestand, which they certainly will expect to, um, you know, have continually have some good results, but play better at the same time. Yeah. You know, I, I think the biggest thing here for me is like, you need to see this team kind of play with Rick Monas kind of in the picture. And I'm not saying he hasn't been in the picture for the last little bit, but he hasn't even been with the team. I mean, this team played six games over the last two weeks where Rick Bonus wasn't even in the same city as any of them. Um, you know, obviously he was here for the St. Louis game, but he wasn't actually in, you know, in the rink at the time. Um, I think there's something to be said about, you know, the impact that Rick Bonus can have on this team in the, in the midst of, you know, what's going on, um, even on that road trip on the last one. Like, I mean, there's only so much that Scott O'Neill can kind of convey what Rick Bonus is saying. And even if Rick is being brought in via zoom or whatever to team meetings it's just not the same right especially in game and stuff like that where you know rick would be texting scott o'neill during the intermissions and kind of like saying whatever i I think it's important that rick's back um with the team healthy practicing with the team 
It's the other thing too that the team has kind of missed lately as well, just with the the compact schedule that they've had, and that that opens up now in November where they're going to have practice days, and that's not nearly as 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 cluttered as it has been. But you know, the Jets haven't really practiced that much since the start of the season. I mean, that's the other thing they didn't really practice on the road. And Rick Bonus isn't a huge proponent of morning skates either. Whereas Paul Maurice, I mean, those were almost kind of small practices. Um, for Paul Maurice, it's a little different with Rick Bonus. He doesn't really care too much about the morning skates, especially when the team skates the night before or the day before. Um, but I think it's just having that presence there of Rick Bonus has probably been the biggest kind of thing that the Jets have missed, at least in terms of, you know, the systems and all that stuff. It's when it's it's gotten bad, I don't think there's been that, you know, that guy there for them to kind of kind of reiterate what's going wrong and what's going right. And probably why, you know, when they got back yesterday or at least back on the ice yesterday, um, he kind of had to tear a bit of a strip into the team, you know, in, in a way that, you know, they could, they could kind of, you know, yeah, comprehend, digest or whatever. I think it's an, it's new ground, right. For, for, for a lot of these players, because they're so used to kind of the way that, that Paul Maurice taught this team. And, and you were right. I mean, the sheltering, the, you know, how Paul would come out and kind of turn a negative into a positive and, Oh, he would talk, even Paul Maurice would talk about, you know, I don't want to introduce negatives. Well, you know, I think, again, I, you saw it at the end of last year, I think the players just kind of knew that they weren't playing well. You know, it's it's maybe there's a time where you can kind of believe the fact that, you know, that all that sheltering that happens, that it, oh, you know, maybe it's not as bad as it is or whatever. You know, it was as bad as it was last year, and I think eventually that, that just ended up getting out. I think the players are on a lot more um, of the same page this year when it comes to, we know what we've done wrong. We know that we didn't play within this structure. We know, you know, we were getting hemmed in here. We weren't getting pucks out or whatever it was. Terrible like, I starts. Think yeah, terrible starts too. Like I, I think there's just a, a very clear lines of what is good and bad and that Rick Bonus isn't going to save them in front of the media anymore, right? I mean, I think that's maybe the biggest thing. There's no, there's no hiding anymore. The Jets cannot hide behind Paul Maurice or, you know, Blake Wheeler coming out and saying, oh, you know, it's fine. we got a young team, blah, blah, blah. There, there, there is no more of that. You know, you're either good or you're bad, and you're going to be told you're good or you're bad, and then it's going to come out from Rick Bonus whether you're good or you're bad, and he's not really protecting anybody because at the end of the day, as you said, there is an accountability now, and I think that's one of the pieces that's been missing for several years. Let's just say that. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean – you know, and this is a perfect time to kind of do this because it's after wins. It's after, I mean, it's after right. everything on paper is a very successful road trip. I mean, we would all expect those things to be said if the team came back and it was one of six points and said, what the heck right. happened on the road trip? Um, but I think it sets a really good example for the club right out the gate that, you know, win or lose, we're going to handle this honestly. I'm going to tell you exactly what I think, and I'm not changing it for the media, for the fans, because everyone's watching these same games. And, and I think, you know, hopefully yeah. that, that kind of turns it into let's get to let's get to today's practice because I'm sure yeah. there was a lot of scuttlebutt amongst the media when you saw that many players. I mean, my first uh, my first thought was, oh man, I hope COVID isn't run, running through this dressing right. room right now with what's happening in the community and so many people dealing with it very seriously in some, in some cases. Um, yep. And we knew that something was up right off the bat when Jansen Harkins was recalled on an emergency basis, Scott, take us yep. to practice this morning, the guys that weren't out there and what we've learned about the situations around the health of the club. 
well, yeah, first thing I got there and I'm like, uh, an optional day? Like, there's like six guys missing. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, Logan Stanley wasn't there because um, he was put on IR earlier in the day. But then he, you don't see, yeah, you don't see Wheeler, Dubois, Barron, uh, Morrissey, another one, and I'm missing one other guy. Um, but, um, yeah, those are a lot of big names that, are, that, that weren't out there this morning. Um, the only one that seems to be, at least at the point, um, is Morgan Barron's probably not going to play. It sounds like he, it was a little bit of a cryptic way for, like, like Rick Bonus said, like, he's got an upper body injury, unlikely to play. And then it was almost like, well, okay, so do you know what's wrong with them? And it, they didn't seem to know, like, they're kind of getting another opinion. They, they're, they're still trying to figure out what the diagnosis is, it, it seems. Um, so I, I'm not entirely sure where Morgan Barron stands. It seems like it's a lingering thing that he's been kind of dealing with that they now got to kind of figure out how to deal with um, kind of going forward. So I don't know what that exactly means. And I guess we'll kind of find out in the coming day, days ahead, you know, kind of how long he's out for. Um, and then the other guys were apparently maintenance. Um, the one thing that it seemed like there's still decisions to make, and that's what Rick kind of said, but you know, who is going to play tomorrow, who's not going to play tomorrow. Um, so, you know, I, I assume most of those guys are playing you know, Wheeler and Morrissey, uh, Morrissey for sure took a bit of a beating, especially in that, that Vegas game. Um, so I, I, you know, I expect he'll be in back in the lineup. Um, you know, the Wheeler Dubois thing, I'm not, you know, entirely worried about those guys. You can kind of see where you want to get ahead of any kind of little lingering things. Mason Appleton is the one, and that's the one, the guy I forgot. Um, he had some sort of illness yesterday, uh, you know, so that, that's well, when yeah, you that's start wondering, you okay, does that... Right, yeah. Does you know is it is it either COVID or is it the flu? Um, I, I I don't know what if these guys are still testing. Obviously, Rick did um, when he did. You know, if a guy got the sniffles here, how often are they going to actually test for that? Um, it's not really required anymore to to, to actually do the testing. So um, so you kind of think, okay, well, maybe not COVID, maybe a bit of the stomach flu, but um, it didn't seem like it was any of that. Um, but you know, if if Mason Appleton has something, stomach flu or COVID or whatever. I mean, those things can kind of, you know, obviously we know can run rampant through a, through a dressing room. So um, I guess we'll see kind of tomorrow who comes out for the morning skate, although that too is going to be optional, Rick Bonus said um, as well. So, I mean, you saw a bunch of lines today that were completely abominations of what, you know, what you would normally expect. So there's nothing really kind of to report there, I, you know, and so it could be come down to some game time decisions tomorrow. I mean, that's, we don't know, because if it's an optional skate tomorrow uh, morning, you know, before, before the Montreal game, it's going to be interesting to see kind of who comes out tomorrow for that. And Rick Bono said today, I mean, he's not a big proponent of morning skates. So um, you could have some question marks, at least of who's in and who's out uh, right up till game time tomorrow. Yeah, well, the one guy I think, you know, we expect to play tomorrow is Jansen Harkins, who, as we mentioned, was yep. called on an emergency basis, which you can only do when the team is in jeopardy of not being able to ice a full lineup. Yeah, Harkins has been unreal since he went back to the Manitoba <laughs> Moose. I believe the number, I think he scored in four or five straight games and had nine points in six, uh, nine points in six games. Yeah. Harkins, in a way, that run, Scott, reminded me of the run he had a few Novembers ago that ended up getting him his first call-up, at which point he never really looked back. Um, I know yeah. he spoke afterwards. Um, what do you make? Well, how do you look, first of all? How do you sound? And 
what sort of opportunity do you think he's going to have? Because, uh, listen, we know how crowded it is in the bottom six. And we've been talking about the top couple lines needing to get going. <laughs> we haven't been talking yeah. about, you know, a wasteland when you come to uh, Adam Lowry's line or the fourth line going out. Um, this is probably one of the biggest opportunities in Jansen Harkins, like at a crossroads of his career, sure. showing that he may have had a bad camp, but he's ready to go and a different player than when he went back. Yeah. I mean, so here's the thing. Like, I mean, it's interesting because Sam Gagne practiced on the first line today. Um, first line, uh, you know, in quotations, I, I'd be interested to know if they would, if Mason Appleton can't go tomorrow, you know, whatever his illness is, I'd be, I'd be interested to know if you put Jansen Harkins right up there on that first line, just because he has the speed, right? Like he has that kind of the speed and the tenacity to kind of get in on the forecheck and, and do that. So it almost seems like that would be a, like the best fit to put Jansen in. Um, but if, you know, if not, I mean, Morgan Barron's out, so you just slide him in right next to um, Adam Lowry, but he looked good out there today. I mean, here's the thing about Jansen Harkins. Like, I've watched all the training camps that he's been here. He's always been a good training camp guy. He's always been a good practice player. Um, he's just, it, it seems, you know, there's been flashes, of course, at the NHL, but it seems that there's times where it's just like, it, it, the transition just doesn't come fully to him. And so that's why I think you see him in the AHL, and he's really good in the AHL. And I think this year, I think he went down with a bit of chip on the shoulder for sure. But I mean, to rattle off five goals in nine games and, or in six games, sorry, in nine points in six games. I mean, that's going on a tear. I mean, you want to be the first guy that gets a call up? Well, I mean, that's that's kind of how you do it. Um, the thing with Jansen Harkins is he's gotta he's gotta get it into kind of the NHL gear when he gets up here and actually be able to kind of keep that that same sort of thing. Like he has this ability to score goals. He has ability to drive the net. He has the ability to make skilled plays and shoot the puck. And all of these things, but it would seem sometimes when it comes to the NHL, he kind of, I don't know if he tries to do something differently or just gets away from, you know, what he's good at. And, and part of that in the past has been, well, yeah, they, they put him in roles where that's kind of not where what they want him to do. You know, he, he was in a checking role. He'd be in on the fourth line. He wouldn't play a whole lot. You know, when he's had opportunities higher up the lineup, I think he's, you know, he had that two-goal game last year. You know, he, he's done that sort of thing before. Um, I, I think Jansen Harkins is a is a bit of a skilled player that can is can play kind of that checking role, and coaches kind of default to playing him in that checking role because he's fast, he likes to be physical, and all that sort of thing. Thing is, he's uh, going to need think, to do that, Scott. He's going to need to do that because I mean, that's where the opening is right now with the Jets. I mean, he's not coming up here but, to be a top six player, and he might get a game or two, right. or somebody might do that. But I, I think that the point is that and i would imagine i'll get your comment on this he probably yeah. really got sent down was playing his ass off for the moose and then turning the jets game on and seeing the fourth line playing effectively and also playing more and in more highly sure. leveraged situations and feeling more a part of the game sure yeah i i agree and i think that's so if he slides into that third line checking role i still think that there's opportunities like morgan barron's had opportunities to create offense, right? Like, and I think that's a much better situation for Jansen Harkins to come into than what he used to come into. Now, don't get me wrong. Jansen Harkins didn't have a good enough training camp to make the roster. I mean, that 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 was the reality for Jansen Harkins. 
for the first time in most of his time here, um, he didn't have a good training camp. And that's probably, you know, that is what kind of kept him out of the roster. I mean, the Jets were, you know, at a point where they were, they were essentially fine with losing him because you put him on waivers um, and it's possible. We talked to Jensen a little bit about that today. Um, you know, I asked him if he, if he thought, if he was a bit hopeful to kind of get claimed because, you know, it's been here where, yeah, he's played at times, but when there's been more competition, that's where he's kind of been in and out and, and not being able to kind of hold down that role. So I think he does. Yeah, you're right. He does have to play a certain style of game to be effective, but I think that, you know, the Jets have to be a little bit more open to letting him kind of open the taps a little bit in terms of that offense. And if he plays on that third line, Especially, I think if he slots in for Morgan Barron there, I think that's something that he can do. Um, I, I think that's a role that would suit him a lot better than in years past because that line is still being asked to to create offense and has the ability to do that with 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 how they've been playing and how they've been deployed and how Morgan Barron has been kind of a bit of a leader on that in terms of you know getting shots on, getting into the net, and that sort of thing. If Jensen Harkins can just go in and do the exact same thing, um, perhaps he can kind of you know carve out a role. I mean, it's just difficult right now because when Morgan Barron comes back, he's getting a spot back, and there's really been nobody on that fourth line that you would take off that fourth line right now um, to because it's been effective. It, it was literally their best line against Vegas, which is a bad thing, but it's also been good to see that line just become um, dependable and, and trusted by the coaching staff to play in the third period to play eight to 10 minutes a night and, and to get big goals. I mean, that's the other thing that we kind of forget about. Well, don't forget about it, but they've been doing a good job of producing offense too. And so that's what I'm saying with Jansen is like, he has to come in and actually do more than just hit and do all that. I think he has to also produce in Rick Onus's kind of forward, because that's what Rick Onus is asking of all the forwards is, yeah, they're going to play, but you also have to be able to produce. You know, I'm just looking at these lines from practice today. So Gagne, I guess, moved up into the Appleton spot, yeah. which is normally the Ealer spot on that top line with Connor and Shifley. Lowry was with Perfetti and Menelainen with no Wheeler, <laughs> with no Dubois. And Hart got in with Gustafson and Janssen Fialbi, and Tony Nato was mixing in as well. Yeah. I, I, I would imagine they would love to get Jansen into the lineup tomorrow. I mean, there is an element to yeah. playing the hot hand, and he has been on an absolute tear. Um, and so much of this, Scott, of course, is going to depend on who is available for the game tomorrow. I mean, yeah. I'm still, I'll be honest, I'm still in a bit of a wait and see. Just the fact that they obviously are anticipating some guys not being able to go, and that's why the emergency recall came a day before the game so he could yeah. get it in a practice and be ready to go as opposed to getting called up on game day, even though the team is here right now. But where he falls in um, will be really interesting to see. Uh, and again, who else is there? But I mean, when I heard Mason Appleton left practice yesterday sick, yeah. wasn't there today, and a number of other guys, to me, we have some question marks. And we know right now that, in all likelihood, Morgan Barron is not going to be in the lineup tomorrow. Yeah, Jensen Harkin's playing tomorrow night. Like, I don't think there's any any real question about that. Because Morgan, Morgan Barron, I mean, they said unlikely. There's no, I mean, he's not playing if he's got an upper body injury that they don't know what to do with right now. Um, so I suspect he's not playing. And you're right. I mean, like, you know, the way that Rick Bonus kind of said it today, it was very, it wasn't cryptic. I mean, I don't, that's not the right word, but it was, yeah, there's question marks going into tomorrow night's game. And we're probably not going to know what exactly are the question marks 
you know, unless, you know, unless Morrissey and all those guys are back in for the morning optional tomorrow. Um, but, you know, if someone with questions, Mark, is just going to go right to the, right to the game time, the warm up, um, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, it should be interesting. Um, I'm interested to see what the lineups will be like. Um, and I'm interested to see really, you know, more than anything, how this team kind of responds to how what, you know, what kind of Rick Bonus said yesterday and, and what some of the players were saying today about, you know, just kind of the style of game that they've, they've been kind of riding on to win so far. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. I think, I mean, all the media certainly, and I can guarantee the fans have appreciated the more open, frank, and honest Rick Bonus that has spoken this yeah. year. I'm not expecting anytime soon they become uh, open and honest about injuries and what's ailing no. players before they get into the lineup. So we'll take what we can get right now, and um, it's been pretty good so far. Scott Billick is with us from the Winnipeg Sun. Scott, before we uh, before we move on, um, I wanted to quickly get to the Bombers because you had been uh, on Bomber duty last week. Yeah. Bombers now on the bye. You know, this would be a good chance to to fill people in on the eleven members of the Blue Bombers that were named West Division All Stars on the defensive side of things: Willie J, Adam Big Hill, Winston Rose, Dietrich Nichols, and Donner Rutledge Jr. has currently had a real strong season um, at yeah. DB Engineering and Grant. And then on the offensive side, Zach Caleros, Dalton Schoen, Stanley Bryant, Jamarcus Hardrick, Patty Newfeld, all sure things. Uh, do they just not want to have too many bombers on it? I mean, how the hell do they overlook Nick Dembski for this one? Uh, I, first, that and most outstanding Canadian. The thing that bothers me about the most outstanding Canadian, like I get Nathan Rourke was really good, but he only played half the season. And it really bothers me when guys play like half the season and then they get put up for awards because who knows what could happen. You know, like, I mean, Dave Riddick, half the season, he was an all-star in Calgary. The next half of the year, he was the worst goalie in the league. So that's my kind of problem with kind of how that, that works. And I, I don't know how Nick Dempsey, I mean, he gets 10 touchdowns, which is like, I, I want to say four or five, maybe more than his, his best ever total. Um, and, you know, he was up there in yardage. One of the most dependable receivers in the league. It, it, it's a weird one, right? I mean, I, I don't. I, I just. It, it. When I saw it this morning, I was like, I mean, it's just. It's probably the biggest snub out of all the kind of awards um, that I could see. I mean, a lot of them just seem to be shoo-ins, like Dalton Schoen um, being, you know, the rookie of the year. I mean, that that one's an easy one. I and the other one is so. So like, here's the thing. You have Eugene Lewis, and this was the one that kind of made me laugh. You have Eugene Lewis in Montreal, who um, is up for MOP, I believe, in out of the East. He finished, I think, third to Dalton Schoen in in terms of like overall kind of like receiving and touchdowns and all that kind of stuff. Dalton Schoen's not up for MOP, so like you got to think that Zach Claros is just like the runaway leader for the MOP award this year. Because I don't know how one you're not giving it to Zach anyways, um, but when Dalton Schoen is already going to be your most outstanding rookie in the league. And he he could have been up for MLP, is essentially what I'm saying. So I don't know how e Eugene Lewis would ever win that if award. If he was in the East on Calero. a different team, he probably right. is. He, was, he, was, he probably is, right? And that's the thing. So, But that, my point is, like, I don't know how Zach Claros isn't winning it for a second straight year. Um, and then, yeah, Dalton Schoen's going to win that. Uh, the thing was, like, I like Stanley Bryant, great guy, obviously. It almost seems like he's just like the default O lineman every year out of the West. Yeah, I, I don't know why that that always is. Um, because I think other the best. guys on that line, 
He is, but I mean, I think you could put Jamarcus in there a couple of times. I mean, I, I get it. I mean, Jamarcus didn't have his greatest year this year, but he's kind of been probably snubbed in years past. But you're right. He is the best. And, and that's one of the things that, um, yeah, that's one of the things with, with that position. I think a lot of times those guys kind of get it just on like kind of, I don't know, I, it's almost like a, I don't want to, it's not word of mouth. It's not, it's not the phrase I'm looking for, but. Um, I think he just gets it on, you know, kind well, an of O-line play. I'll say this times, but. O-line play. And I guess yeah. this is all report uh, done by the football reporters of Canada. I mean, much like fans, the media aren't very different. I mean, there are very few guys that are breaking down the O-line play. O-line. Yeah. Play by play for each game this season. You'll know when the O-line sucks because that's when your quarterback's flat on his ass. And, you know, the coach yeah. is nervous if the guy's going to get up. That really doesn't happen in Winnipeg very often, and a big part of that is because the Bombers have put together the best O-line, and that goes back to Kyle Walters when he took over. Two things to fix the Blue Bombers, an O-line that can actually prevent your quarterback from getting killed, and (laughs) Canadian talent. And they've done both of it, and it has really come together. What, um, What did you think about Rourke on Friday in the limited amount of time that he played? And um, do you have any thoughts on this West Semi coming up? I mean, I'm looking at it right now. Calgary's a three-point underdog. I mean, to me, I think this is more of a pick to be perfectly honest with you. I agree. um, Any thoughts on who wins this game? And from your perspective, Scott, who's a tougher out for the Bombers if they make it to Winnipeg on the 13th of November? Uh, yeah, I think Calgary and Calgary and Calgary. I mean, here's the thing. Like, uh, well, okay, let's let's answer your first question. Nathan Rourke looked pedestrian on Friday, but I'm not quite sure how you expect him to look any different than that. I mean, you're. Yeah. I wonder how 100% his ankle was, anyways, because he didn't run. I don't think on any of those plays. I don't think he had one carry in that game. Like, not even a draw. Nothing. Um, so. He didn't look very good. I mean, they got to him early, um, you know, right off the bat, first drive, Casey Sales on the on the strip sack there. Um, I thought the most hilarious part was Jake Thomas kind of like extending the hand to, to kind of pick him up and then just <laughs> shooing him away. Boy, that was funny. So I love that stuff. Like, I mean, I, I think it's funny because, like, you're, you're probably going to play this team again and uh, welcome back to the league, kid, and then just, like, no, I'm not getting you up. I mean, that's just a, that did look pretty hilarious. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it was it was funny, right? That was a total Jake Thomas thing to do. But you know, I, I think Calgary just has the more uh, well-oiled team, kind of heading into this with the run game, uh, with Jake Mayer obviously at uh, at quarterback there. Um, I, I think they have it kind of all kind of together a lot more than BC will this week. And I think BC is really hoping that uh, that Nathan Rourke can kind of be his old self prior to his injury. And I'm just unsure, right? I'm unsure of how how good that ankle will hold up over the course of a full game. Um, I, I think they've brought him back early in hopes, right? Like, you know, you test him out last Friday in a nothing game. You can kind of get him a few reps in, kind of get him back used to that game speed and all that. Um, but this is a different beast to speak, and you got to go in and and, and you got to beat a Calgary team who knows how to play in the playoffs, um, is well versed in in playoff football. They got Kadeem Carey at running back. They obviously have the quarterback there. They got Malik Henry at receiver. They have a good O line. 
Um, they have a decent defense. And I, I know I think, you know, just based on the season games, if you're looking at who's the tougher road, it's got to be Calgary, right? I mean, but the problem is you saw the Bombers beat up on BC in I think it was like week five or six, something like that, when they, they won 43-22. Um, but then the last two games against BC were absolute, you know, there were nothing games, right? Um, the, you know, the Bombers lost to, to them in BC. Uh, they, they sat Claros, three of their O linemen, including Stanley Bryant. Um, so, I mean, there was really nothing there um, to really take from, and Nathan Rourke didn't play in that game. And then last week, you know, if you're looking at the game, it was one in the first quarter by Zach Claros throwing two touchdowns and, you know, BC only managing to put up nine points in, in the entire game. So, but to me, I mean, if I'm looking at it, Calgary's always been a tough out um, for anybody in the playoffs. Uh, oftentimes they've been winning great cups as well. Um, and I just think, you know, the, the, all those games this year, you could argue against Calgary were winnable games by Calgary that the Bombers kind of pulled out. Um, so, you know, that I think that it offers the most exciting game in the West final. Um, and I think it offers the most, you know, uh, the, the stiffest matchup um, for the Bombers going in because I think they really match up really well. I think both teams have kind of the exact, not the exact same offenses, but they can both be explosive on offense um, and they have good defense. Like we, we saw it three times this year. Those were great football games to watch. Um, and I'm hoping well, they, that, they, you know, if they can get out of there, it'll be another one. So, well, you know what? I'm, I'm with you on that. And I mean, I've said this before on the program. I mean, beating a team, a good team, three times in a season is yeah. tough, and it speaks to just how good the Bombers are. But, man, it's tough when they get another crack at you, even if it is at home, even if it is at the, the 13th. It's a perfect segue to the not why not question of the day today, folks, for our friends at Not Autocorp at Waverly and McGillivray. Uh, which is the biggest challenge for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers coming out of the West Semi? Is it the BC Lions with Nathan Rourke back? Or is it the Calgary Stampeders? Let us know in the comments of the YouTube broadcast. And, of course, you can also throw it in to the chat. Scotty, thanks for doing this, pal. I'll look forward to uh, seeing you at the rink for uh, tomorrow's game. We'll see who's playing for the Winnipeg Jets as yeah. well. Yeah, it'll be good to be uh, back at the rink tomorrow. seems like we haven't really been there a whole lot this year. So, uh, yeah, good to thanks. be back and uh, watch. Thanks for doing game. this, pal. So, yeah, thanks. Yeah, appreciate good it, guys. Stuff. Hey, check, by the way, check out his uh, Twitter, at Scott Billick. Got a little uh, sub for a new newsletter. Scott's doing that as well. So uh, check that out and uh, make sure to uh, to subscribe to it. Scotty, take it easy, man. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, see you guys. Appreciate it. Uh, all right, good stuff with Scott. Murata Tesh coming up next. We will talk a little NFL later on in the program. Benny Heisler from Betsided with all the big news around the league coming out of yesterday's trade deadline. Uh, we mentioned just now that the why not question of the day is revolving around the West final and the challenges for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Our friends at Not Autocorp, though, are rolling into the new season. And if you are thinking about an upgrade of your current vehicle or maybe getting something a little more ready for Winnipeg winter, Not Autocorp is the spot to go. Why not get into the car of your dreams? At an incredible price with the help of the Not team. Check out everything on the lot. And if there's a particular make and model that you have your heart set on, the Not experts will identify it, source it, and get it here and get you into it at the lowest possible price. And don't forget, in the car lab, in the service lab, winter tire specials and MPI payment plan ready right now. Why not get safe winter tires now and pay later? Pop down and see Trevor and his great staff, Not Autocorp, Waverly, and McGilvery. 
and online over at not.ca. Well, we're getting ready for uh, the Habs game tomorrow night, the West Final for the Bombers, the World Cup coming up, and you can get all your gear, not to mention maybe get ahead of the game on Christmas shopping at Royal Sports, the biggest selection of Bomber and Jets merchandise together in one spot in the entire city. Tons of new Bomber gear, including toques, scarves, which you may very well need on the 13th at the West Final. Um, tons of new Jets gear and, of course, Canada soccer gear as we get ready for Canada to return to the World Cup, which, if you can believe, is going to be getting underway in less than three weeks over in Qatar. Uh, pop down to Royal Sports, and, of course, if you got a hockey player in the family, you already know that Royal Sports is the undisputed hockey superstore. 40 years in the biz, family-owned, with hockey players working in the store to get you the best piece of equipment, whatever you need, new stick, and, of course, the best skate sharpening around as well. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. Make sure to follow them on Instagram as well at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Folks, we have not forgotten. We do owe a uh, you all a suit show. We will do that when Michael Remus returns from his family duties and when we do it, we will be flaunting off our great F apparel suits, which we got a little while ago. I think I might actually get another one heading into the holiday season. But um, listen, the entire process was great. If you're not familiar with F apparel, they've got great prices on amazing custom suits for men that'll look great, fit you well, and get you into them for the best possible price. F's custom suits begin at just $400. Right now, got a couple great deals. Buy one suit, get a second one for 30% off. And for those of you that are involved in a wedding coming up next year, talk to the fellas. Don't waste your money renting tuxes or anything like that. The guys at F Apparel will put you all in great custom suits that you can wear for the wedding and then use later on afterwards. And right now, if you get booked and fitted by the end of November, Every one of the wedding party will get a free shirt and 10% off your order. Could be a savings of up to 130% or $130 per individual. It's all there at uh, F Apparel. They're at 190 Smith Street downtown. And you can make an appointment or find out more on everything they've got going there at F. That's EPHapparel.com. All right, looking forward to this next chat. We always love having Murat Atesh of The Athletic on the program. If you haven't already seen his latest at The Athletic, we're going to talk about it now, but you should definitely read it and make sure you're subscribed to uh, The Athletic. The Winnipeg Jets start has competing truths. Glass half full or unsustainable? I might say a bit of both. Let's welcome Murat in to uh, get into the chat today. Murat, what's up? How are you? Well, things are glorious right now. I went to Sev in a golf shirt and shorts before the show today. Um, I'm uh, I'm loving every second of this beautiful, well, late fall weather. I guess it technically is fall right now, but uh, I didn't have a bingo card that had 19 degrees Celsius on the 2nd of November. So I'm in good spirits there. And listen, when I look at the standings in the Central Division, I'm pretty happy about it Well, as well. But as we heard from Rick Bonus at the beginning of the show and yesterday after practice, uh, maybe not everything is as it seems, especially coming out of that road trip. I'll get your thoughts right off the bat since we last spoke. L.A. win, Connor Hellebuck, brilliant. Not a great start, but a great final 40 minutes in Arizona, beating a team that they absolutely should have beaten. 
And then a performance in Vegas that, you know, many would have expected. I had a lot of funny conversations on the weekend going, hmm, back-to-back wins, Saturday off in Las Vegas on Halloween weekend, and a date with the Golden Knights the next day. That's about as close to a scheduled loss as you might see all season long. Uh, But Connor Hellebuck wasn't having any of it, was he? Well, yeah, he would be the one person who... Uh, whose pregame I think is absolutely unimpeachable. I mean, I wonder if Winnipeg should get its skaters, its forwards, its defensemen to start doing those eye motions, to start doing hella Buckian warm-ups because Winnipeg's been so slow out of the gate. And what an enormous hole that they've nearly dug themselves in outside of Hellebuck along that road trip. And you know what? That LA Kings game, Winnipeg struggled. I mean not just on the shot clock, but just getting two passes together, getting passes onto the tape, um, moving the puck out of Winnipeg's own zone, getting to the areas of the ice where they might do a little bit of damage and score some goals. And that seemed to be the tone of most of the road trip. You didn't like that look, especially given how well Winnipeg had played against St. Louis. And I don't know about you, Huss, but every once in a while, you know, we're not in these guys' heads, but... You know, I wonder, is this a team that believes its own headlines a little bit too much? Like, hey, you know what? We played a a great game against St. Louis. We found the process. Everything's great. And then, you know, five points out of six. But the skaters put relative dogs of games together. I thought Connor Hellebuck played so well and doesn't need to buy a meal for the next couple months as far as I'm concerned. I love the fact that he got practice off yesterday. (laughs) It was a, (laughs) first of all, he deserved it. Second of all, it was probably necessary considering how much rubber he saw over the course of that road trip. But to me, it also sends a message to the rest of the team that Rick Bonus said loud and clear to them, said loud and clear to everybody else that this group needs to be better. But Hellebuck absolutely earned a little extra time off. And um, obviously, he was back today as well. Just quickly, I mean, for talking positives we're going to get to some of the things that we want to see this team do better and more consistently the start of hellebuck overall i mean there's a lot of things that need to ha- happen for this team to become a playoff contender again and maybe get into the playoffs and i realize it's a long season we're not even 10 percent of the way through or barely 10 percent of the way through but my god i mean he is making a lot of people that had bold predictions for his season look very very good so far he's always been driven but he seems to be almost on a mission right now and you know i know with some funny comments after the vegas game where i mean he didn't air his teammates out but you could tell he was a little bit frustrated the way the game ended and the way things went um he is the man on this hockey club he's leading the way and i said to the guys on friday show i'd like to see the jets play a little guilty against the Arizona Coyotes considering what they got away with last night and to be honest I'm feeling sort of the same way now that Rick Bonus is back and what we heard from the team the last couple days when they go at it against the Montreal Canadiens because you can't rely on your goaltender like that as Kyle Connor said that's not a sustainable way of staying in the position they're in right now right and I mean I just got back from Bell MTS Iceplex Mark Shifley said the same thing you know this isn't a sustainable formula for winning a little bit of anger would go a long way, I think, for Winnipeg in terms of having pride about the quality of play that they put together. But I like your idea about playing guilty too, playing uh, with that sense of emotion that, hey, we let this guy down. And Connor Hellebuck, I mean, he gets the day off yesterday because his teammates took the day off 
you know, against Vegas most of the way through that, right? I mean, that would be a really easy thing to point to if you were the Winnipeg Jets bench boss trying to explain Connor Hellebuck's absence because Hellebuck's not going to do it. He's not going to throw his teammates under the bus. He's going to acknowledge process, right? Like, you know, a week ago I asked him, well, hey, clean up those giveaways at the blue line. That'll probably lead to a little bit less work for you, less of those quality chances against. And he's like, yeah, exactly. I mean, those minute-long shifts, and he talked about how that leads to quality chances, how to um, how tips and giveaways at the blue lines are basically the, the two things that give him the most grief. And then Winnipeg went out after that St. Louis game and played three straight games where getting across his blue line was an issue. I think that you know, respect for not putting his teammates under the bus. And I'm sure that they have honest conversations behind closed doors. But Hellebuck's an honest guy and he's a competitive guy and he knows what's happening in front of him, uh, even if he's focused on the positive. And Hustle, in this sort of Hellebuck section by saying, bold predictions of mine. I tried to stay away from the, you know, the airy stuff with 100 points, this, 50 goals, that. But Connor Hellebuck being Winnipeg's best player and having a statement season, that was my number one with a bullet. So, you know, Connor, if you're out there, thanks for making me look good. I need it sometimes. Um, you know, he's been Winnipeg's best player and shows every sign of keeping that up. Well, and you know what? I mean, this is sort of a big picture question, um, but it's a perfect time to bring it up. I mean, listen, I was watching the games with some of my buddies and we're talking about Connor Hellebuck and just, you know, basically sitting there in awe of what he was doing. And the conversation got to the next couple of years for the Winnipeg Jets and next summer with all of these players going into the final year of their expiring deal. And I'll be honest, I don't even care what the number is. To me, Hellebuck is so far and away the most important player on this team and in this organization as the backbone and the foundation for it. Um, you do start wondering about the challenge for the team to first and foremost, like what they're going to do, what Chevaldev's to-do list will do, will be come July 1. To me, it starts with 37 at the top. And again, I'm not sure what that number is, but whatever the number is, to me, if they want to continue to be a competitive team, even as they change over and have more younger players come in and have some longtime mainstays leave, to me, that has to be where you start. And it's something that you have to get done. I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, the quality of play he's delivered over the course of his last contract uh, the fact that, you know, he's still on the safe side of 30, um, the quality of play it looks like he's putting together this season as well. Um, there, there are a lot of reasons to think that, well, first of all, he's your best player. Uh, I don't think that there's any question about that right now or through most of his tenure here. But also, I mean, what you do with him sets your tone for all of the seasons to come. Without Connor Hellebuck, there are seasons where Winnipeg's a lottery team, if you look back at the most recent few. Um, and you can't quite rebuild if you've got a goalie that good in net, nor can you compete for a playoff spot or the you know a deeper playoff run without him in net. Makes him an important player, uh, a real bellwether about Winnipeg's you know future aspirations. But it also comes with some risk because goaltenders have volatility to their performance, um, and as he ages, there's going to be a question of well, hey, if Connor Hellebuck says you know what I want eight years times whatever there's a reasonable chance that even if he's your best player for the first few, he's not your best player or a helpful player at the end of that. And Winnipeg will have its sports scientists and it will have all of its expertise in terms of evaluating what Connor Hallibuck's future might look like. Um, but 
for a short term, maintaining the level that he has now, anything in the two, three, four year range, I think you can have a lot of confidence on that. And it would be an absolute statement to sign him as well as a statement to let him go about Winnipeg's ability to compete uh, in the post, we'll call it Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley era, even if they're still on the team. But there was this era of these last few years where those players were at their peak, and we know that that will fade as, as the years go by. No, I, I'm, I'm 100% with you on that. Although I will, I guess, ask the question out loud, and I don't know the answer to this, but I mean, we were talking about this very thing. And listen, if you're signing a foundational franchise player, outside of his second contract, you know, your ELC extension and, you know, the big decision for teams to do that. Is there any evidence that it's riskier for a for an elite goaltender than it is for an elite player getting towards 30? Or is it basically just, hey, guys, as they get older, might not be as good as they were when they were 27, 28 years old? You know, that's a great question. And, you know, offhand, I don't know the answer. I do know... You know, one of the things I'm influenced by is Ken Holland's book, um, Behind the Moves, where he's talking about Detroit building its uh, its dynasty in the late 90s, early 2000s, and coming out of that Steve Eiserman top, uh, top type of pick era, where they were really quite a struggling team for a lot of years. So how did Detroit get good? And one of the philosophies that they really maintained was that unless you're getting one of the top two or three goaltenders in the league, you're... Um, paying a premium isn't necessarily worth it. So for that, I'm thinking Connor Hellebuck right now, uh, Andre Vasilevsky right now, Igor Shesterkin right now, those are the types of players. Or once upon a time, Henrik Lundqvist, Carey Price would have been those guys, Roberto Luongo uh, for stretches as well, right? Um, and I think that you have to be confident that that's the quality of player you're getting when you sign the contract. Even, let's look back at Hellebuck's most recent several seasons, as good as he is with the Jets playing the kind of defense that they did and with allowing for the fact that there is variance in a goaltender's performance, percentages hurt, bounces hurt or help depending on the year, you can't look back and say his save percentage was tremendous uh, you know, every single season, but he was well worth it and has been well worth it. His goal saved above expectation is well worth it. His ability to keep them in games that they shouldn't be in has been well worth it. I just think that you have to be sure, um, and I don't know the aging curve as it differentiates between goalies and other players, but I think that that's your number one question when it comes to Hellebuck. Can he continue to be that top two, top three, top four type of goaltender? And if you can't, well, that's that's a very difficult proposition because there's nobody in the pipeline that screams replacement at this stage either. I mean, it's really Hellebuck or bust if you're Winnipeg. Well, it, it, exactly, and I mean... Well, I'll just put this to you. I mean, let's like fast forward. And I guess this season's going to have, it's probably a very impossible question to answer almost because of, you know, how much runway we've got left on, uh, on this run. But I mean, there's Hellebuck, there's Mark Shifley, there's Blake Wheeler, there's Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's the RFA. And I mean, I think Dubois' age puts himself in a little bit of a different situation, but I mean, uh, listen, I think Dubois has been awesome at times for the team. I think his consistency leaves a little bit to be desired at times. There's the entire baggage that comes along with what the team gave up to get him, which probably makes him a bigger priority. But we already know that it's a tough situation. They would have done it last year if they could have. The timing wasn't right for that. But when I look at everything around this team, I mean, 
I have a hard time making any sort of an argument for anybody else as opposed to Connor Hellebuck if you're talking about what your priority is to, to sign and keep with this team because I'm with you. There isn't anyone that's kind of knocking on the door and maybe some guy will be one of the Finn or home will have a great season in, in the Moose and show that they might be ready to take a backup role next year. But that position is just so important and he is so damn good that um, it would be... To me, he's the franchise player right now for the Winnipeg Jets, more so than anybody else. And I think the last number of seasons show that in spades. Yeah, I mean, and what would it say about the organization if it let its franchise player go without a fight, right? I mean, there's a little bit of that optic as well. When you have a situation like Pierre-Luc Dubois, let's say, where we can't be absolutely certain he's a long-term Winnipeg Jet. In fact, my guess is that's still very much in the air, maybe unlikely because he has it's so easy for him to simply accept his qualifying offer, file for arbitration, whatever dance he needs to do. He can become an unrestricted free agent as soon as not this coming summer, but the one after it. So there's a little bit of uncertainty there. Mark Shifley, strong start to this season. You like that. And then Connor Hellebuck. For me, those are your three pillars. Connor Hellebuck on a level even beyond either of his centers. And I think that if you're Winnipeg and you're considering, okay, well, you know, Line A wanted out and then Pierre-Luc Dubois, we'll see what will happen with him. And there's, you know, a real need for stability, a sense probably from the ownership that you want at least playoffs as much as possible, unless you have a very bare bottom payroll. Um, you know, that's my read of this team is that they want to be a playoff team. It just... And maybe that puts Hallibuck in a great position to ask for a little bit extra. But I mean, it really does seem to me like a situation where if Winnipeg's serious about being competitive and showing anyone else coming up through the pipeline that they're serious about being competitive, it's got to be him. He's got to be the guy. Yeah, and I know B.A. said in here, I mean, uh, where is it? Uh, so we're signed PLD Helly in 55. How? I know we don't. I mean, to me, Mark Shifley... The Shifley question, and listen, you hope he has an amazing season this year, and you hope he makes it a really, really tough decision for the. But when we talk about, um, you know, risky signings, to give Mark Shifley back pay for his last contract, which has been a very, very good one financially for the Winnipeg Jets of what they signed him on that eight-year deal, you know, to reward him with the legacy contract to use Kevin Shoveldayoff's term, which I think we can, you know, kind of allude to Blake Wheeler. At what's he going to be? Thirty-one years old at that time, Marat. You know they'd be looking for big time, big time um, term on that deal, with it being the final one. Um, you know, listen. I mean, Chipes looked good so far this year. He's scoring some goals right now, and we know that he's you know the number one center, especially if Dubois leaves. But to me, that might be the riskiest of them all. I mean, I think we have a pretty good idea. You know what you're getting from Hellebuck night in and night out. Um, you know, Shifley over the course of the last couple of years has had some ups, but also had some real downs. And playing a number one center role well into your 30s is, um, frankly, pretty tough. And the expectations of a player that would be making an excess of eight or nine million in that position would be that you would be that number one center. And I'm not sure all that computes. I agree with you. I think that Mark Shively's contract is probably the biggest risk facing Winnipeg in the next couple of years. Just because he's going to score so well, and certainly at the beginning of this season is any indication, or any of the, what is it, six seasons in a row he's been at a point-per-game level, he's going to score so well, he's going to command uh, quite a lot of money and term as well. And 
we've seen what happens to players and you know whether it's 33 34 35 wherever it's going to be that's an age where the offense falls off mark shifley has been a game defensive center this year but he's not a dominant one his peak is not a strong 200 foot player it's a brilliant offensive player who outscores being you know anywhere from average to you know far below depending on what version you've gotten over the last few years and i should say i've liked him so far this season in that regard um so that's a tremendous amount of risk because you can almost definitely count on that offense fading as the years go by you know the number of crosby's and patrice bergeron's of the world are few and to try to guess at who these guys are look for the players with the biggest peaks as well um and the and those guys have had it at both ends of the ice for for a lot of years so i mean another situation where winnipeg's in a tough spot it would be difficult to imagine what his trade return might be it would be difficult to imagine them signing anybody for you know a comparable price that does what he does and yet they would run tremendous risk of overpaying for him because i don't think you know there's there's some things he does shooting and scoring wise that would be uh unique even above say a blake wheeler but I think Blake Wheeler's peak was one of the very best 5-1-5 players on the entire planet. And I don't think that Shifley's in that top five, top 10, even strength type conversation. Um, so if Wheeler's contract has aged the way that it has, what will happen to Shifley's? I'm not that optimistic about what he's going to look like as a mid-30s player. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And I mean, there's so much that, that goes into this and it's fascinating. And we could talk about it for hours, to be honest, because there's this season, there's the start of this season, there's where this team is at at the trade deadline. And listen, the way Hellebuck's playing right now and where they're at, I mean, if he continues to play at that level and the Jets can pick up their socks and, you know, have more professional performances that we've seen as of late, well, the blueprint against St. Louis, we won't be talking about a team that's selling. If, and again, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I'm hoping we don't have to cross this bridge, but if things don't go well and the team is at a point where they realize, okay, they're making, they got to make changes. If they know what's going to happen in the summer and they have the opportunity to do that at the trade deadline, players like Shifley, players like Pierre-Luc Dubois would certainly have more value knowing that you're trading them for two playoff runs and at a certain point with some of the players, I mean, I don't know who it's going to be. We can all have our own suggestions. Kevin Sheveldayoff is going to need to make decisions on what players are leaving and maximize their asset value. And to me, that's at the trade deadline more so than the off season with one year left and facing unrestricted free agency 12 months later. Yeah, a hundred percent. But for him to feel vindicated in doing that based on what we've seen from shovel patience so far winnipeg would probably need to be pretty far gone from that playoff race and it doesn't seem that way i mean i don't think that the way they've played has been sustainable going to lead to you know winning streaks and all all the all the like but i do see signs and i wrote about it in the piece that's up today um that even amongst their struggles there are things to like and there's things to believe in in terms of them being able to hang around this playoff race. So, you know, I, I don't know that they, you know, and you're not really looking for this if you're a fan listening, but I don't know that Winnipeg can be bad enough to justify that. Well, at the same time, I completely agree. If you're looking for pressure points where guys have more value, trade deadline is it. 
um, in an enormous fashion. You can have a little bit of optimism about the cap going up by a few million next summer based on current projections um, so that, you know, a contending team that can fit the part that can fit, you know, half or less than half of the player's salary now because of the time of year that they'd be acquiring him can probably afford to keep the full version of the salary next year as well. So I think that there's reasons, but then that's the signal. Like if you're looking to maximize Pierre-Luc Dubois or Mark Scheifele's trade return, you do it at this trade deadline, absolutely. But there's other priorities. You know, Sheveldayoff may believe that, hey, it's worth it to try to make these playoffs and then maybe fight for next year's playoffs with these guys as well, diminishing the value of his assets, but maybe making an extra playoff round, some gate revenue, all these other things. I don't know that those are concerns of his either's or Mark Chipman's or what have you, but Winnipeg's strategy is partly about maximizing its value for these assets. It has other things that it's got to sort out as well. And I just like, you know, I can't imagine what it would take in terms of a bottom out performance to, to motivate a guy like Shevel Dayoff who, who held on to Dustin Bufflin throughout that whole season where he wasn't around, um, only added DeMello and Eakin at the deadline. You know, it's been Kevin Hayes in 2019 and then Paul Stastny in 2018 where I think he really seized the moment. And that was in an aggressive way. I don't think he's really been a seller, not of these defensemen, not of, I guess, you know, I'm just thinking out loud. These aren't real coherent paragraphs, but I just I just don't see that sale for Shovel Day off unless things have gone so far south. Yeah, no, you're you're exactly right. And it's not part of the plan. And certainly I don't want to see that happen. I mean, I'd love to see this team continue to get better and be competitive and, you know, make the GM's job as tough as possible because the guys have played well and at the same time boost their value if at some point you are crossing that bridge. All fun to talk about, but it does come out of the original premise that Connor Hellebuck is the man, and uh, I hope that he's the man in this city for a long, long time. Murata Tesh is with us. Let's get back to that piece and, you know, everything coming out of the road trip. I mean, you smoke. We played it a little earlier. Rick Bonus, first of all, most importantly, said he's feeling good. He's going to be back on the bench and, you know, obviously scary what he's dealing with and so many people that we all know what are dealing with right now. But he uh, he was not – well, here it is. Am I happy with our team play? Not even close. In my mind, I talked to the players about that today. We've had one really good game, and that was St. Louis. And the other games have been below the standards and our expectations of how we want to play. Um, pretty honest, pretty frank from Bones. Uh, we all enjoy that sort of honesty. But, man, it was interesting hearing that somewhat resonate, at least from what we're hearing from players, Mark Shifley today, Kyle Connor yesterday, that – that's not going to continue. You cannot keep relying on Hellebuck to be the lone reason why you're squeezing points out of games. And uh, all of that comes back to a very interesting homestand coming up. Murat against some teams that certainly on paper, very beatable. The Montreal Canadiens, the Chicago Blackhawks, then a huge game with the Dallas Stars. Um, how did you see it all? Um, you know, we talked about Hellebuck. We know what that. Where did things go wrong for the Winnipeg Jets, and where does a turnaround in getting back to a winning style of play begin for you tomorrow night? Well, I mean, the intangible thing is energy levels. That sort of sense of from puck drop being um, ready to go and ready to be on the front foot. To use what Rick Bonus said today, he hates when the teams on their their heels, and that to me. 
I, I mean, I, I can't say what goes into that because the players are still sort of, you know, wondering what's going on in that front. You know, what does it take to have that start? Well, you know, I mean, that's on them to, to sort out. But the thing that you see start to come off of Winnipeg's game immediately is its ability to get out of its own zone. And if they're playing, you know, a half step slower than their opponents to come out of the gate and they're trying to make a play that's, um, you know, leaning for an offensive rush at their own blue line, if they're trying to do uh, anything but what's safe in those situations, we've seen them get burnt several times. And I, I think about Los Angeles, that game where, you know, I think Dylan Sandberg's was the last giveaway right before before Los Angeles scored when it was just wave after wave of Kings pressure. And, you know, Dylan Sandberg got the ne negative ink on Twitter at that moment. But Winnipeg failed to clear its zone something like three times in the 45 seconds leading to that that situation. You saw that against Colorado, even in, in a winning effort with um, that 90-second shift with Shifley and Connor failing to get out of the zone. Morrissey's giveaway as well. And there are just times when, you know, it's Winnipeg's natural inclination to try to do quite a lot um, in that breakout, you have players like Kyle Connor, who's such a gifted offensive player, leaning offense first. You have players trying to make plays that aren't necessarily there, even when things are going well. Um, and then when you're starting slow and the energy isn't there and the other team's faster and picking these passes off, well, you can start chaining shifts in your own zone together in an awful hurry. And for me, that's where it really, really, really begins for Winnipeg. You know, a few safer plays early in the game might help them um, get into the flow of play and start to assert their own way of playing as the game goes on. You know, we talk about this term, coaches talk about this term puck management all the time. And, you know, to me, that honestly, I mean, listen, you got to be skating, you got to be, you got to be ready to play. And let's just assume that that is the case. But when the Jets get hemmed in their own zone, when things start caving in on them, that seems to be what hampers them the most. I mean, Sometimes these guys under pressure handle the puck like the like a hand grenade with a pin pulled. And you know what happens when the pin gets pulled? It blows up in your face. Um, I do wonder where that starts. I mean, is this is that on the coaching staff? Is it a coaching thing to instill systems for players to simply and easily get out of trouble and make things happen? Because I would imagine those are there. Or does it come down to individual guys handling adversity and handling pressure better? I mean, great question. And I, I mean, <laughs> if I could solve that, I would um, have a more expensive hoodie on right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, um, it's it would still be the same. What anyway? I I think back. I think it was yesterday. Paul Friesen asked Nate Schmidt. You know, Nate Schmidt was talking about their options on their way out of the zone. And I think it was in response to one of my questions about puck management. And Paul Friesen said, well, hey, you know, it almost seems like it's more of a mental thing than anything else. Right. And Nate Schmidt did a like one of those classic um, deadpans where he's like, yeah, it seems that way, doesn't it? And he just didn't expand. And I thought that that was really funny from from Nate Schmidt to be like, yep, definitely that where decision making costs Winnipeg, uh, you know, fairly frequently on that regard. So then, you know okay, well, if they're not making the right decisions, where does that come from? And that speaks to the question you asked. Is it, you know, something that each individual player can work on amongst themselves so that the next time they're under pressure, they make better decisions? 
Is that about practicing where you're running those breakouts and you artificially take time and space away from these guys to see what decisions they make? Is it about coaching and systems so that, you know, they really hold Winnipeg accountable to being in the exact same lane every single time so the puck carriers can not think and just react and say, hey, every single time I have the puck in this situation, somebody's going to be cutting over there and, and then that's the play to make. Um, I, I don't know the answer to that. I think it's one of those situations where it's a little bit of a lot of things. And I also think that where Winnipeg has struggled the most is where they try to ad lib a little bit too early on. And, um, you know, I think that'll be a focus for, for Rick Bonus is, is those blue lines. Us, like, um, yeah, without expanding too much, I'll just leave it at this. If I could quote unquote hack any one part of hockey, it would be the blue lines the plays that decide what zone a game gets played in that's breakouts and that's break-ins as well. That's exits and entries. And I really think the breakouts set the tone for all of that. And that's why it's so important to me. Well, you had a really interesting back and forth with Kyle Connor yesterday about exactly that. And um, you know, folks that they haven't listened to get to the app or uh, yesterday's audio from the media um, after practice with Murat talking to Kyle Connor about exactly that. Hey, before we go, um, many absentees today at practice. We talked about that with Billick. I was sort of worried that, you know, there was another COVID run going through uh, through the um, uh, the dressing room. Doesn't sound like Morgan Barron's going to be good to go. We know Logan Stanley and Nikolai Ehlers are both on IR. Jansen Harkins, who's been red hot with the Manitoba Moose, reminding everyone that, hey, he's a very viable option, gets the emergency recall. Any thoughts on where Harkins fits in and how this lineup might look tomorrow night? You know, my hunch, and this assumes that Mason Appleton is in the roster or on the roster after leaving practice yesterday and not being on the ice today. You know, from what we gather from bonus, I believe Mason Appleton is still projected to play tomorrow night. So if that's the case, I think it can be as simple as Jansen Harkins taking Morgan Barron's spot, um, you know, one for one with, uh, with, Adam, with Adam Lowry and, and making that line a go. Um, I... I think that Winnipeg, you know, has liked what it's gotten from its fourth line so very much that they're not going to necessarily mess with that template. And of course, that's partly me thinking about the old Paul Maurice way of doing things. You know, we make as few changes as possible. Rick Bonus has, you know, at least in preseason, we saw as he was figuring out line combinations, he's been willing to mix up lines a little bit more uh, when, when things like this happen. But that's my guess is that it's one for one and that it's Jansen Harkins and, you know, over Dominic Toninato, let's say, as well, from kind of the vibe around the, the room today. Um, and then you keep the top six otherwise the same and ready for the mid-game shuffle if need be. Uh, Marat, great stuff. Thanks for doing this. And uh, once again, folks, uh, first of all, if you are not subscribed to The Athletic, what the heck are you waiting for? And uh, the piece today, all about the uh, previous road trip, look ahead to the homestand in this season. Um Talking about, well, there it is. The start has competing truths. Glass half full or unsustainable. The glass is certainly half full with the record right now, but as we heard from Connor, Kyle Connor, the way they played on that road trip, unsustainable. But as I said, Murad, I'd love to see them play a little guilty. You know, when you get busted doing something, you got to be a lot better the next time you go about it. Let's see that from this club coming out of this road trip and playing in front of Connor Hellebuck and maybe giving him an easier night like he had in his 25 save, save shutout against the Blues last Monday. 
I mean, that's the template right there. I mean, come out, play, play. They don't have the luxury of breaking the dish and then saying, hey, I guess I don't have to do dishes anymore. They have to do dishes every single time, right? So, I mean, playing guilty, they got to They got to do something to make their goaltender's life a little bit easier. Hey, thanks for doing this, my friend. All the best, and we'll see you down at the rink. Right on. Sounds good, us. There it is at WPG Marat on Twitter and, of course, in the athletic right now with Marat's latest. All right. We are going to talk a little NFL. Wild day yesterday with the busiest trade deadline maybe ever in the National Football League. Benny Heisler is coming up. But as we uh, discuss the Bombers All-Stars later on, do not forget tickets are still available for the West Final. And for those of you going, don't forget to get there early and take in the fun the atmosphere and the great deals at the Princess Auto Tailgate Zone. $5 beers, $3.50 pop and hot dogs heading up until game time. I think they've added hot chocolates, some warming stations, or some fire pits. Um, it's going to be great. The crowd's going to be lit, and the uh, Bombers are going to be ready. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Blue and Gold and Winnipeg Sports Talk. And Princess Auto is the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop down and see them at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panit Road or Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 2465 at princessauto.com. If you and your family have water needs heading into the winter, well, there's only one place to go, and that is the experts at Culligan Water family-owned and uh, hydrating Manitobans with the best water around for over 65 years in the business. They really do have it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions for your business. Whatever your water needs are, the Culligan man can take care of you. Pop down and see them at 1200 Sergeant Avenue or give them a call at 204-694-5180. And you can always check out all their products and services and contact them online at drinkculligan.com. The gang at Canadian Club are pretty darn excited about the upcoming weekend because it is the launch of the much-awaited and heralded final edition of the Canadian Club Chronicles series, the Canadian Club 45-year-old whiskey going to be officially launched at the Manitoba Liquor and Lottery Spirits of Distinction Awards coming up this week. And then you'll have the opportunity to get it for a very limited time as only 80 bottles of it are available in the province of Manitoba. So you whiskey aficionados that want the best, the Canadian Club 45 coming to your local Manitoba Liquor Marts very, very soon. And of course, coming up the game, on the 13th, you'll be able to enjoy, maybe stay a little warm with Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club, and the very popular, ready-to-drink in cans, Canadian Club and Ginger Ale, which is also available citywide at your favorite beer store in cans. Hey, tomorrow night, we're back at it with the NFL. The undefeated Eagles going up against the Houston Texans. And no better place to watch the NFL than your local Boston Pizza. Listen, you'll always be enjoying pizza flights and, of course, great beer specials for five bucks sleeves all night long, but also some amazing tastes from the new BP Fall menu. The craveable jalapeno popper dip had that and a bunch of wings with the guys watching football on Sunday was awesome. 
spicy buffalo mac and cheese, and the creamy carbonara pizza is amazing. And when you watch NFL at Boston Pizza, you'll be entered to win one more grand prize trip to see the Raiders in Vegas and a bonus NFL game. The uh, final trip is on New Year's Eve weekend. You'll see the Raiders and Colts on Sunday, and you'll go to the Golden Knights Blues game on Saturday night on New Year's Eve. Watch the NFL at BP, chat on pizza flights, and enter to win the trip at any local Winnipeg, Selkirk, Steinbach, Portage, Boston pizza location. All right. We will get to a busy night tonight, not really in the National Hockey League, but we've got baseball, we've got basketball. There's a lot to get to. And I've got a very great three-way bet for our friends at Cool Bet, which we'll do later on in the program and on today's lock shop a little later on after WST. But right now, let's break down the trade deadline and the aftermath in the National Football League. I know some happy Viking fans with the pickup from of TJ Hawkinson from Detroit. Always love catching up with my guy down in KC, the managing editor of BetSide at Benny Heisler joins us now on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Heading into week nine of the National Football League season and coming out of the trade deadline, there is a ton to talk about around the National Football League and no one better to do that with than my good buddy, Benny Heist, the managing editor of BetSided, back with us on WST. Heist, what's going on? Hustler, it is good to see you, my friend. You look good. You look well-rested. Uh, happy to be back. I feel like it's been too long since uh, you and I had a chance to catch up. No doubt. Well, I know you've been busy and uh, doing some great work, by the way, folks. I mean, uh, definitely check out BetSided and uh, give Benny a follow at Benny Heist for all the content that he is a part of over there, especially if you like to uh, dabble with a few sprinkles. It's a great resource uh, for people that like to throw a bet down. Uh, but Ben, I, you know what? I, I, there's so many things. It, First of all, this was a wild trade deadline. This is a wild trade period. I mean, what do you make of the uh, propensity for more moves and more aggressiveness? How much do you think this has to do with what the Rams have done the last couple of years and how it ended for them last season? I was going to say the fact that you brought up the Rams kind of alludes back to my thoughts on it because can I, can I swear on this show? Is this, is this a family show? You or can, can, I, can you I let can. one fly? You okay. can let one so fly. Wasn't it less wasn't it Les Sneed that basically said, fuck draft picks or fuck the picks? <laughs> F them picks Everybody was kind of that shirt at the parade. Yeah, exactly. Like everyone's starting to, to, to follow this model a little bit that uh, picks are just picks. And um, I remember my, my old buddy, Casey Stern, uh, who used to be over at Turner Sports for a while and then still at MLB Network Radio, always used to say prospects are cool, but parades are cooler. Um, <laughs> it's kind of the philosophy, especially with more NFL playoff spots opening up. That the teams are are by nature being more aggressive. You didn't really see it at the actual deadline for the teams at the very top. Like Kansas City went and got Kadarius Tony for a little bit later on. Uh, the Eagles the week before went and got Robert Quinn. So that was like their their trade deadline move. But it was teams like Minnesota going out and getting T.J. Hawkinson from uh, an NFC North rival in Detroit, which I found to be very surprising. Um, you, you had uh, uh, Bradley Chubb going to the Miami Dolphins, who, uh, yeah, it's going to be an uphill battle to try and catch up against Buffalo, but this is a team that is in their window to win right now, and with all the draft capital that they've collected over the last couple of years, they felt like it was worthwhile to get uh, a legit top pass rusher in the NFL to be able to shore up a, a part of their defense um, that had been really struggling to be able to create pressure throughout the course of the year. So it's fun. Like, not that the NFL needed 
more action you know, <laughs> over the course of a week for the trade deadline because the NFL is king regardless, but it was spectacular. It was the, the busiest trade deadline in NFL history uh, with 10 moves uh, actually taking place on the actual day, and a lot of them were significant. Yeah, it's so funny. I mean, you know, being here in hockey country, I mean, we get ready and TSN and Sportsnet will crank out like nine and 10 hour live programs on trade deadline day. And sometimes it becomes funny because they're just waiting for something to happen. But inevitably, there is quite a bit of activity. And that hadn't been the case before in the NFL. Um, but certainly for fans and the people that cover it, this has been a really, really fun run. I want to focus in on the NFC North, but just quickly on Denver. Um, <laughs> we haven't spoke the last few weeks. I mean, the disaster that has been the Denver Broncos season, uh, whether it's around Russell Wilson, Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, if you could have possibly imagined that they would be trading for picks, trading their number one pass rusher nine weeks into the season would have seemed eight weeks into the season would have seemed almost inconceivable. What does the trade tell you, Ben, about the situation in Denver and maybe just thoughts on where we what we expected from the Broncos and what we got from the Broncos? I'll tell you my expectations at the beginning of the season. I, I thought they'd hang around, but we also thought that the AFC West was going to be the best division in football bar none, and, and that hasn't been the case either. It's been the Chiefs and, and basically everybody else Chargers are, are dealing with injuries and, and maybe they're only a game or two out, but I, I think we can all collectively look at this team and say they might have talent, but they're not a good football team. And then you have Denver who has a, a solid defense, you know, they've been a top six, top seven, apparently, apparently Syria wanted to, to weigh in on the conversation. That's the first time that's <laughs> happened in a live interview before. And you never know what, uh, what you're going to get uh, when, when <laughs> these conversations occur. Uh, but the Broncos defense, I, I, I think they're looking at it from the perspective of if we can get key draft capital right now, especially knowing that we're paying Russ and we're stuck with Russ for the next five to seven years, probably at a minimum, like you might as well start recouping draft capital as quickly as you can because those three first round picks are long gone and you need to find some way to be able to keep a team relatively competitive denver's strength is their defense right now so if you pull from your strength knowing that this is likely not going to be your year you might as well start going ahead even if russell wilson is pissed about the deal he's in denver as the highest paid quarterback in the league so he has to be along with the plan and if they go to him and say look Obviously, this year isn't the way that we wanted it to go, but this sets us up better for the future where you're going to be here for the next several years. Maybe it's one way to be able to get around it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, just start to finish. It has just been so nuts. And, you know, on the other side of the coin, the Seattle Seahawks have been one of the best stories of the entire season, Ben. And this trade, and I realize we're going to need to give it some more time to breathe. But right now, it's looking like maybe the biggest deal in NFL history since the Herschel Walker trade. It's remarkable because with Geno, remember, he was still a second-round draft pick and I think the first quarterback off the board, but you saw extended times where he would have these great games. Like, this year isn't the first year that Geno Smith has flashed. It's been him flashing for the first half of the season and not falling off by any stretch and the, the Seahawks just look revitalized. And it's also been interesting to see all the comments that have since come out about the current state of the Seahawks since Russell Wilson left that, you know, there was aspects about him 
with that team and that dynamic that wasn't working out. But I mean, we, it took me, it took me a while hustler to come around in Seattle because I, I projected them, you know, along with like the, the Texans and the jets uh, and a few other teams is, is some of the worst in football. You know, the Falcons were part of that conversation. You know, they were projected four and a half, five win teams. Chicago bears were, were part of that conversation as well. They had the highest or the lowest dip from where they opened their season in win totals to where they are now. Um, I, I think what's so interesting is that it's a system where Smith is getting time to throw. He has a great deep ball. And so you have great receivers in that category, which you saw highlighted over the last several years from Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Um, and, and, and Gino seems to be okay with being able to have a run established to open up play action for him and for him to be able to take a lot of those shots downfield. Uh, you know, Russ was somebody that's, never really wanted to go towards the run game. And for a long time, I think a lot of us were saying this, this is a, an out of date, out of touch offense. The reality was, is that maybe Russ's skill set was slowing down to the point where Pete Carroll and his staff said, this is something that we need to do as opposed to what we want to do. And consequently that's been the result of it. So awesome story. I, I still don't think people are looking at the Seahawks as, you know, a, a Super Bowl contender at this point, they might win, uh, the NFC West uh, is probably the biggest surprise from from worst to first heading into this year. But I mean, right now their Super Bowl odds are like forty to one, fifty to one. If you want to throw a few bucks on it, I suppose you can because the defense has made some pretty enormous strides. But um, I, I think more of a good story and more of something to feel good about for the Seahawks, uh, knowing that with all the draft capital they collected in the Russell Wilson deal, and they're not hamstrung by that contract, um, they're they're in a really nice spot moving forward to build around that team. Well, they hit on all their picks. All the guys they picked with those picks are yeah. starting right now and contributing, and they're going to get to do it again in next year's draft uh, with more of the haul they got from the draft. You mentioned the NFC West, and maybe the most impactful deal, certainly we saw it you know, bear fruit on the weekend, was San Francisco going all in to get Christian McCaffrey. And McCaffrey, Ben, was, I mean, if you watch that game between the Niners and Rams, he was everything that, you know, the best of McCaffrey that we've seen over the years. And now in an offense run by Kyle Shanahan, to me, the potential of more, uh, of McCaffrey, well, first of all, making his fantasy owners very happy, it increases yeah. tenfold. Um, but also when Debo Samuel gets back into the lineup, remember, he wasn't in, he wasn't able to play against the Rams. Matt, I, I still think the Niners are the team that wins the NFC West. But to me, it's between them and the Seahawks, not the Rams, who look like um, they're pretty much well past their best before date. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking for for odds right now to to get the Seahawks to win that division, you know, there's some books that have them at, at three to one or slightly ahead. And in the 49ers, just uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, when things were looking really bad, were were sitting. You know, still in the same spot as the Rams, Seahawks were, were kind of hanging around there too. It was kind of up for uh, up to anybody, but now they're the, the clear cut favorite in that division. The McCaffrey deal is is interesting because I think it had to be done because normally we talk about running backs going, why would you trade that much draft capital for uh, a highly paid running back? I don't think you can look at Christian McCaffrey in that same way because he's a running back but he's also a, a legitimate receiver and the way in which the 49ers use their receivers and use their running backs in so many versatile, creative ways that I, you, you have to just look at it as a top tier offensive skill player position that they were able to acquire and have under team control for the next several seasons. 
McCaffrey in that offense, you're right, is going to add an entirely different layer to how teams have to prepare for them because it could be Debo out of the backfield. It could be McCaffrey. You can move McCaffrey into the slot, have him next to Debo on the outside. Maybe there's Ayuk on the other side. Like, Kill is still in the middle of the field. Like, there's just so many weapons that knowing that Jimmy Garoppolo is your quarterback here, it, it makes his job a lot easier. And conversely, you know, for a defense, you can't just pin your ears back and, and go get Garoppolo because now he's got some of the best speed around the league to be able to just dump the ball off and get rid of it. Use the screen game to his advantage. You know, they're basically saying, we know we have limitations at the most important position, so let's elevate him by making everybody else around him better. Their offensive line is getting healthy at the right time. The defense, other than getting gashed by Kansas City, has been one of the best in the NFL. Like This is a dangerous team. Like a very legitimate dangerous team where as long as Garoppolo doesn't cost them games, which has been prone to happen, yeah, I, I, I like the, the 49ers, especially in an NFC that I think has a chance to be very wide open. You know, 49ers and the Eagles right now uh, look like the two clear-cut best teams in the NFC. So I, I think that's probably the way to go. I, I certainly like San Francisco and their odds to win the Super Bowl. And you know what? Just tying the, uh, the Niners back into the trade deadline, and we mentioned the Chubb deal. It really is incredible when you do the trade tree of the Trey Lance trade that the Dolphins used one of their picks to move up to get Jalen Waddle, the other right. one of the first rounders to get Tyreek Hill, and now the other one to get Bradley Chubb. And, you know, more often than not, when teams trade for picks, they use those picks and they get the rookie. This has been a very different, uh, different way of going about things, been a very gr aggressive way of doing that. But, man, the Dolphins have – don't forget, they've lost their number one pick for the tampering thing with the Tampa Bay going forward. So they've sort of realized what they had. They've put it on the table. And maybe much like the Rams, they've used that to get elite talent right now. And um, the Dolphins, as long as two is healthy, I think are going to be a problem for a lot of teams in the AFC. I was a bit surprised because uh, my buddy John Ewing, who uh, works for, for BetMGM and always is tweeting out uh, really interesting insights uh, pertaining to what's going on at the sports book, um, said that they didn't move the odds for Miami after trading for Bradley Chubb, which was a, an interesting indication about how they feel about Miami and their chances to advance to the AFC championship game and get by teams like Buffalo and Kansas City and maybe to a certain extent Baltimore. Um, with regards to sort of where that could go. But I, I think it's a big deal. You've also seen the last two Denver Broncos players moved at the deadline, um, and Emmanuel Sanders and Von Miller go on to win Super Bowls for the teams that they get traded to. Again, fun little trend, but it's noteworthy given how he can immediately impact the Dolphins. And remember, this Dolphins defense a season ago was elite in the secondary. And they just haven't gotten to that point yet. But one other encouraging thing that I've seen about Miami is that they're the they're a top five second half defense in the NFL. First half, bottom three. It's part of the reason that I love the first half over between the, the Dolphins and the Bears uh, this week. Because you're talking about two of the worst first half defenses in the NFL. Second half, all of a sudden, both teams make adjustments and, and they go from there. The fact that Miami's defense can make serious adjustments in the second half along with having elite speed all over the field with a solid run game and a good offensive line and an accurate quarterback in Tua. Like, I don't think it's out of the question that Miami could blitz a team like, like Buffalo or Kansas City and catch them at the wrong time and sneak by with the win and put themselves in a position to make it to the AFC Championship game. Now, again, their defense still has holes in it. And offensively, like, 
there's still a few issues here. He has them, but I don't look at Miami as being this complete dark horse off the radar team that has a chance to, to possibly go out and win a Super Bowl. That's the, the direction that this team is going in. Their front office doesn't make these types of moves if they don't believe they are absolutely in their win-now window. And again, it's the NFL. It's one game for a sample size. Weird shit happens. So I, I think Miami very much alive. Uh, if you still see them at 30-1 to to, to go out and win the Super Bowl or 18-1 to to win the AFC Championship, I think that's good value for a team that believes they can get there. Yeah, I mean, I think most people do expect that we're going to get another game between the Bills and the Chiefs at some point, and most likely in Buffalo in January for a trip to the Super Bowl. But um, we cannot be ignoring the Dolphins any longer if you have done that. And I really think that this Chubb addition makes them far more dangerous against teams like that because you're not beating either the Chiefs or the Bills if you can't get to the quarterback. Ben Heisler. Managing editor of Betsided is with us, talking a little NFL coming out of the deadline. Let's get to the NFC North. Your Bears were busy trading away Quinn and Roquan Smith. I think that makes a lot of sense. They also brought in Chase Claypool. Why don't we start in Chicago, Benny? I mean, what do you think about the Bears' moves, considering what we've seen from them so far this season and the big job for management to push this team closer to being a competitive team in the division first and then in the NFC? So it, it was kind of twofold for me. And I'll admit, like, initially when they made the move, my, my first reaction wasn't, all right, like, Justin Fields has some help now. Like, they see a quarterback. Like, they see a quarterback that they believe in. And, and that should have been the main takeaway for me. Instead, I was thinking, why? Second round pick for an underperforming receiver the last couple of years? How did they do? Wait, it's not the Ravens pick that they got? It's their own pick. That's a that's a top 35, top 40 pick. That's that's too much to give up for a year and a half of Chase Claypool. What are they doing? And then the more I started to to really think about it, what I, more I started to really start to compartmentalize what this deal means. Uh, it, it's a very encouraging sign for the Bears that their general manager understands and recognizes that for as good of a player as Roquan Smith is, he wants to be the highest paid outside linebacker in football. And the way that their defense is set up, like that's just not advantageous to winning football games right now. Roquan Smith was on the field in that game against the Cowboys where they gave up 49 points. Like he's a great player, but that's not where you be, need to, to spend your money right now. You spend it on the offensive and defensive line. You spend it on elite playmakers and you spend it on the quarterback. Like that's where you're getting best value and where the league is trending. And, and Ryan Poles, the general manager for the Bears, knows that. With Claypool, yeah, the, the numbers haven't been good, but then you start to dig a little bit deeper into why they've been the case. Ben Roethlisberger fell off a cliff last year. Like He wasn't good in Claypool's rookie year, but Claypool kind of bailed him out. In the last couple of years, the Steelers' offense has not taken advantage of what Claypool does well, which is go up and get it, deep downfield threat, elite athleticism, great ability to be able to turn and make contested uh, catches in traffic. I saw this note from uh, NFL Next Gen Stats that says that Chase Claypool has run the fifth most go routes since entering the NFL in 2020. Justin Fields has targeted go routes on 11% of his attempts in his career. That's the highest rate since 2021. So you have players that have a perfect skill set for each other. You have the speedster in Darnell Mooney, who can also be shifty in the middle of the field. Then pair it up with Chase Claypool, who you can throw the ball to in traffic, who can also use on the deep ball. Like, they got Fields a legitimate weapon that if they use correctly, it's not going to matter whether or not it's a top 30, top 40 pick. 
like if Claypool balls out, who cares? You just got yourself a very good wide receiver if used correctly in a system that is so desperate for offensive playmaking. So I, I'm now, I don't want to say I've gone 180 on this hustler, but I really do like the move in part because I, I buy into Claypool's talent. I, I like the way that Ryan Poles has scouted players so far and the guys that they have brought into this team. But more importantly, what it says is that if, if they didn't buy into Justin Fields being the guy, they don't make this move. But they saw something and the numbers have started to click and the offense is starting to slow down for him that all of a sudden, for the first time in a long time, I think Chicago Bears fans can finally say, you know what? This might be a quarterback that we can believe in and actually potentially invest in long term. Uh, there's a lot of people that don't believe in the Vikings, even though they're six and one right now. Uh, they make a move in the division to get TJ Hawkinson. What do you make of that deal? How much does that improve the Vikings? And while well, we're talking about the NFC North. Uh, well, how about the Packers doing nothing to help Aaron Rodgers once again? He's, I've already been, he's been in a pissed off mood the entire season. I can't imagine that was any better after yesterday at the gun. This is really interesting. I, I First of all, credit to the, the Vikings for, for going out and, and getting a stud in Hawkinson and, and really just kind of trading places with the Lions to, to do so. Yeah, they gave up a second round pick, but the Lions sent over draft compensation their way as well. Hawkinson's an elite level tight end, like top five tight end in the league. Um, I, I think that's a steal for them, especially with where this offense is going. Kevin O'Connell, their new head coach, comes from the Sean McVay tree that incorporated tight end use a lot during his time in Los Angeles. Justin Jefferson has had a great year. Kirk Cousins has looked terrific, uh, with the exception of that second game of the season. Uh, Minnesota's looking really, really good on offense this year. I think where people start to doubt them is, is Cousins' ability, especially in, in meaningful games. They've had a lot of those those new uh, 1 o'clock Eastern times where Cousins has been dominant throughout the course of his career. But defensively, it's still not really a, a good defense for, for Minnesota. Like, there's still issues there. Like They, they, they still can't stop the run. Um, you know, they've let some bad teams hang around. The Vikings right now rank fifth worst in the NFL in opponent yards per play. You know, for for as good as they are offensively, they're going to play shootouts with you. And at some point, uh, that's not going to work out for uh, well for them. You know, it's an interesting matchup for for the the Vikings this week uh, on the road against Washington. That's probably going to want to slow things down a little bit. And Taylor Heineke has gone off to a nice start and really commanded the offense because Carson Wentz wasn't doing anything. Like. I kind of look at Washington this week saying three and a half at home against the Vikings team that that can't stop anybody in the running game. That's had some issues in, in pass coverage. Like this might be a good spot for Washington to, uh, especially if they're able to generate pressure up front where cousins is more likely to turn the ball over. I I think you might see this week why there's still some hesitation on, on going all in on Minnesota. Um, Adding Hawkinson is a nice plus, but it really didn't address the, the big issue with this team right now, which is on the defensive side of the ball. And then Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Just a quick parting comment on uh, the uh, just where that team is at right now. I mean, the losses, the Giants, the Jets, the Commanders, the aforementioned Commanders. It has been, uh, yeah. and then, of course, the Bills. I mean, four in a row right now. It's just falling apart, and they've got no help. Yeah, and maybe it was low-hanging fruit, but I wrote an article yesterday over at BetSided that the Packers just completely screwed the pooch on the NFL trade deadline. They're they're not a good team this year, but you've also seen 
reasons why they're not completely dead in the water. Like, I still think this division could potentially be winnable for them. I, I still look at the way that they have talent surrounding this defense and in their running game. I, I believe in the talent of Romeo Dobbs as well. Alan Lazard has, has proven to be a, a solid weapon. Um, but there's there's some weird shit going on right now with, with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Von Miller did a podcast on, on Richard Sherman's show uh, yesterday and basically said, like, in that game that they were playing up against him, they kept running the ball. Von Miller was like, why, why are you guys running the ball? Like, you're, you're Aaron Rodgers. Like, why aren't you guys throwing the ball downfield? And, and Rodgers basically insinuated, like, you don't want me to, you don't want to know why. Like, you don't want to figure out why, because it's not good. So there's clearly, like, trust issues right now with Rodgers and his wide receivers. I get it. Not having Devontae Adams there makes a, a serious issue. And what also was interesting, too, Hustler, was that they offered a second-round pick for um, Chase Claypool as well. So for anybody who's saying it was too much to, to offer for Claypool, you had the Bears' biggest division rival wanting that same player, offering the same compensation. So they had to give their better second-round pick. That was going to be the, the play that would win the deal for them. So what was interesting is that they wanted Claypool, but then they didn't go out and get anybody else. There were still plenty of wide receivers that theoretically could have been available. Um, most likely Brandon Cooks of the Houston Texans, which would have been a really nice, steady, reliable option for them. A veteran wide receiver that, that Rodgers would have been able to trust almost instantaneously. So they, they chose not to go that route. They chose to do nothing. And it's going to cost them because if Rodgers doesn't trust his wide receivers, at some point, teams are just going to put eight, nine guys in the box. And if Rodgers isn't going to throw the ball, then it's a moot point anyway. So yeah, they, they blew it. They had an opportunity. They failed to do so. And now they're going to end up with egg on their face because it's a winnable division with a back-to-back -back MVP and things are really going to start to spiral from here. Well, no, no Viking fan, no Bears fan, and no Lions fan are shedding any tears for what's happening in Green Bay right now. Benny Heights, thanks so much for doing this. Keep up the great work over at BetSided and uh, let's catch up later on this season. You got it, Hustler. Always great to catch up with you, man. Appreciate it. All right, Benny Heiss with us today. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter, at Benny Heiss. Uh, great to have Ben back on the program. And, uh, yeah, everyone else in the NFC North having fun. You know, speaking of trades and draft picks, there still is the most egregious pick, the most indefensible pick in recent NFL history was the Packers drafting Jordan Love, a backup quarterback, when having Aaron Rodgers with, and their receiver situation. Uh, but considering uh, Bikes got Justin Jefferson, they're they're fine with that. They're fine with that. Um, all right, we're gonna hear from Jansen Harkins. He spoke today. Hang tight for one second, but I do want to thank Nick and Nikki and the Nick and Nikki DQ for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. DQ Blizzards are the elite delicacy of the ice cream game. Uh, but there's so much more. I mean, you got the peanut buster parfait, got all the great DQ ice cream novelties, and some of the tastiest burgers around with the DQ stack burgers, not to mention honey barbecue, chicken fingers, my personal favorite, and more. Pop down to any one of the four Nick and Nicky DQs with the fam. The next time you have the opportunity, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's, such great supporters of ours from day one of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And hey, if you do think that a DQ ice cream cake would be a nice addition to an upcoming party or an event, you can hit them up on DQ Manitoba on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. 
Let them know what you want on the cake. Fire them a pick if you need, and uh, they'll custom make that sucker for you and have it ready for you for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nikki DQs. And hey, uh, Connor Hellebuck gets the uh, gets the nineteen nineteen for the way he's been playing lately. Uh, but tomorrow, Jets game, good Thursday nighter. Well, at least one really good team playing in the Thursday nighter might be a good time to stock up on your little brown jug heading into another great sports weekend. Of course, Little Brown Jug, Winnipeg's favorite local beer, available down at their brewery and tap room on William Avenue, along with that gorgeous new patio they built that was the host or the spot when we hosted the uh, first Winnipeg Sports Talk Sports Trivia Night. You can get the great taste of Little Brown Jug, the summer variety pack, and more at your local beer store. And, of course, you can also check out all the Little Brown Jug offerings, including amazing merchandise line, and get it delivered to your door by going online to littlebrownjug.com. By the way, chat, I was watching some of your – where is Roscoe these days? We need some more straight fire in the chat. Uh, but I did quite enjoy that conversation that was going on towards the end of Benny Heiss. Um, all right, we're going to get to the cool bet lines. I got a really fun three-sport parlay that – we're putting out together but before that we talked a lot about jansen harkins harkins got the emergency recall today and looks to be in the lineup tomorrow after being on an absolute tear over the last couple of weeks since he cleared waivers and was assigned to the manitoba moose here's what jansen harkins had to say after practice about his recall and the opportunity tomorrow uh, I guess it must have been disappointing, obviously, at a camp to, to end up getting sent down. But it looks like you've gone down and kind of done all the right things. Uh, maybe just describe kind of the, the couple weeks so far with the Moose and now the chance to get back up here. Yeah, uh, I mean, it goes by quick. Obviously, uh, you know, you want to play with the top team and it's disappointing. Um, but, I mean, that's that's hockey, you know. I mean... For anything, I mean, it's a good example. You, you can't really take anything for granted. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I've always uh, had a good time with the Moose. I mean, it's great Great that we're in the same city and uh, the transition's not too hard. So, I mean, just try to take 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 what I could from it and uh, get a chance to play a bit more minutes and, um, you know, get a, get a good start to the season and get my legs under me. So, When you came into camp, did you get a sense that, you know, there was a lot of competition here, right? There's, there's a number of guys they brought in and obviously guys from the moose pushing for work did you get a sense that it might be a tough battle to kind of win a spot right out of camp um i mean every year i think we've always had really good depth at forward uh, ever since i've come to winnipeg so um it wasn't anything different i think for me it was obviously new coaching staff and um they're trying to see what guys can do for the first time so um obviously that's not the way i wanted it to go but um you know you can't really control that and uh, just try, like I said, try to make the most of it when I got sent down, and um, here we are. So, you know, time moves quick and, and things happen. So, uh, just gonna, you know, try to take that mindset into coming back up and, uh, you know, try to just come up here and play my game and, you know, relax. What is that 24 hours like when you're put on waivers and, you know, this is the only organization, the NHL one, that you've known, right? So, there's the potential that you could have a new hockey home. What was that like and, and kind of your thought process? Uh, yeah, I think, like I said, I think I was, I didn't really see it coming. So for me, it was more just kind of moving through the day. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I didn't really think anything about going somewhere else. I mean, I was just trying to, like I said, control what I could, which was kind of coming down to the moose and, and uh, getting a good start to the year. So I think kind of after uh, the first couple hours went by, it was kind of just 
you know, trying to get get my plan set to come back here and uh, have a strong start. So, obviously, um, did get picked up and still here. So, yeah, going to try to make the most of it now. All right, there's Jansen Harkins from a little earlier today. He looks to be in the lineup tomorrow. Is on an emergency recall um, because the Jets worried that they might not have been able to field a roster of 12 skaters. Um, what that means, we'll find out tomorrow after the morning skate, and we'll be all over it here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, heading into tomorrow's game with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, but certainly sounded like Jansen's in very good spirits, certainly earned his recall with the way that he played with the Manitoba Moose, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can bring tomorrow when he returns to the Winnipeg Jets lineup. All right, let's get to the cool bet lines tonight. Very, very busy night. Not necessarily in the National Hockey League, but we've got some hoops and we've got the World Series. NHL, two games on the docket. The Leafs, I'm telling you, folks, I think this is uh, if the Flyers with their backup goalie, Felix Sandstorm, or excuse me, Sandstrom, uh, beat the Leafs in Toronto after playing last night in New York and coming in with their backup goalie, if they beat the Leafs tonight, I think that's probably it for Sheldon Key, fair or unfair. Leafs are a massive favorite, minus 333. Flyers, plus 270. Eric Comrie's back in net tonight for the Buffalo Sabres. They're even money, a slight home underdog against the Pittsburgh Penguins, who collapsed in the third period yesterday against the Boston Bruins, ended up losing Penguins at minus 118. Major League Baseball, World Series tonight, very close to a pick em. Astros with Javier back on the mound, going up against Aaron Nola. Astros minus 109, Phillies minus 104. And right now, the Astros plus 130 to win the World Series, down 2-1 right now, if you want to jump on that. But if you go to the Cool Bet exclusives, I cooked one up today, and um, they got it up there pretty darn quick. It's called Around the Dial with Huss. We've got the Buffalo Sabres money line. It's going to be my pick of the day. But we've parlayed that, and why we call it around the dial is because we're going three different sports. Buffalo Sabres in hockey to win. Houston Astros in the World Series to win. And the Utah Jazz at 6-2 and two are in Dallas to take on the Mavericks. Luka Doncic did, uh, did have, I think, 44 in their last game. But the Mavs have been really inconsistent. Win one, lose one, win one, lose one. And the Jazz are getting 6.5 points on this one. So... The number they're giving us is seven to one plus seven hundred. Buffalo money line, Houston Astros money line, Jazz plus six and a half. There's also a couple of other interesting ones. Uh, the six exclusive Leafs to win by two and Raptors to win by seven. Raptors are in San Antonio against the Spurs, and this has got to be Jake's. The earn your Keefe parlay: Matthews to score and Marner to record. Two or more points and Leafs to win is plus 190. All those picks, including the around the dial with Hus parlay, is in the left margin. Hit Coolbet exclusives and you'll see those for today. By the way, Lock Shop will drop and we'll do it live on Twitter in an hour from now. And uh, keep an eye out. We're doing a big, big contest for the Lock Shop as well. So we'll tell you about that in the next coming days. But if you haven't played a Coolbet, if you want to ride with me on that one or bet another game, Use the promo code WST on your first deposit. We'll hook you up with a 100% bonus up to $200 on your first deposit over at CoolBet. Uh, all right. Great show today, folks. Uh, good times. Uh, everyone seemingly enjoying themselves in the chat. 
And uh, tomorrow we've got a game day show. Looking forward to it. The return of my guy, Mo Khan. Mo, of course, in Montreal. We'll jump on, talk about the early season for the Montreal Canadiens. Might have to uh, pick his brain on a little World Cup talk as well. Mo's always a great go-to guy for all things Canada soccer. Just three weeks away. And speaking of World Cup, we're going to tell you some really cool stuff about that. Maybe tomorrow on the program. Just waiting to drop that officially. Um, but we'll also have Brandon Rowicki and more on tomorrow's Jets-Habs game and um, maybe even a little more NFL talk and probably a little preview for the Canadian Football League playoffs. I know Jay Dunk, Justin Dunk from Three Down Nation is going to come on the show on Friday. We'll probably do a little bit more on that tomorrow, especially on that big matchup between BC and Calgary where the winner will be here in the peg in the cold, hopefully on November 13th for the West semifinal. Um, huge thanks to Jay Remo back at HQ today, getting us on and off the air. And thanks to all of you for making us a part of your day. Make sure you've hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already. Hit the thumbs up on your way out if you haven't beforehand. And if you get a chance, tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk and podcast listeners. If you can ever give us a five-star rating and a quick little review at Apple Podcasts, much appreciated and it really does help us spread the channel. That's going to do it for us, for uh, Jer back at Mission Control, Michael Remus, who is away, and myself, Andrew Patterson. Thanks so much. Thanks to Marat, Scott Billick, Benny Heiss for joining us on the program today. And don't miss it tomorrow when we get ready for the Jets to return to the ice. All the latest information from the morning skate, the lineup, goalies and more. We'll hit it when we get after tomorrow at 1 p.m. live right here on YouTube on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night, and thanks for being with us. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.